Good morning, everyone, and welcome inside the 360 Sports Show here on Facebook Live and broadcast to you throughout the world. I am Andrew Pizzelli, joined shortly by Christian Lauber. Welcome to the show. Remember, you can email the show throughout the week and during the live broadcast to the 360 Sports Show at gmail.com or hit us up through Instagram and Twitter at 360 Sports Show. Make sure you give those a follow. And if you're listening through Facebook Live, you can drop us some comments in the comment section. If not, if you're catching us as a podcast, make sure you subscribe through whichever podcast platform you are using. And you can always send us messages throughout the week, and uh, we will get to them on the show. Loaded show for you here today, so let's jump right in, and uh, we'll bring in Christian now. Christian, how are you doing here on another gorgeous Sunday morning? Doing pretty well. Weather's been nice, so it's been, uh, well, except for yesterday. But other than that, it's been good, and, uh, you know, just another day, right? Yeah, another day in paradise, as they say, right? Exactly. (laughs) What 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 more could you want? Yeah. Well, I mean, I know I know you've got everything you want. You've got, you know, your, your your fiance, you've got your house and you've got no one capable of coming and bothering you. I mean, I like I said, I've been practicing this whole thing for like years and it's just <laughs> you don't have to go anywhere. Finally, it's amazing. Exactly. Uh, anyway, so uh, we'll jump into the sports stuff. And actually, there is actually a lot of sports stuff to talk about this week, which is fantastic. Um, like always, though, we will end the show with our top fives. Um, this week's top five category was your favorite sports teams to not win a title. So if you're just tuning in and you didn't know about this, um, this week's top five category, favorite sports teams to not win a title. So um, it's not like the team as a whole, like, you know, the San Jose Sharks. It would be a specific year. You know, pick a year, pick a team, because sometimes there's teams that just stick with you. Obviously, your team doesn't win every year, um, unless you're the New England Patriots. And even then. But uh, there's there's certain teams just like, oh, man, that was such a fun team to watch. So your top five teams that never won, uh, that didn't win a title, uh, if you uh, haven't emailed those to us yet, you want to drop them in the comment section or send us an email, certainly do so. And uh, we may be having a special guest at the end of the broadcast to join us for our top five. So uh, stick around for that. Um, but starting, uh, I think the lead story, Christian, this week has got to be both the NBA and the NHL. It's really coming into focus now that they're going to come back. I think there's still a few minor hurdles, but um, the NBA and the NHL proposals um, have, it seems so far, passed with the players. And with the NBA, we'll start there. They have like a really good like timeline set up. I mean, next week we're supposed to be getting a more detailed announcement from the NBA, but it seems like they've kind of laid everything out here uh, in a row of what they're hoping for and expecting as far as the timetable of uh, returning to games as early as July 15th. Yeah, and they, you know, they've done a good job here. I mean, I think from the beginning we've both said kind of the same thing where it's kind of like the NBA's decision almost that everybody's going to kind of uh, branch off of. And the NHL and NBA are both kind of working. They're not working in tandem, but they are in a way, in a sense that they're both kind of putting this all together now and, and – getting something together so we can get back to playing games here. And, uh, you know, the NBA has done a nice job. And I think, you know, eventually they'll get there. But what they're planning is is pretty good. Um, you know, they're going to have some time for camp. Guys get guys got to get back in the gym. That's the number one thing right now. But uh, once they do, then they're going to have a little camp. 
maybe a few games, and then you know it, it, they'll tweak some things here going forward, maybe in the coming uh, coming weeks. But um, we'll get a playoffs. It seems like so that's good. And and you know the NHL seems like it's trending towards the same way. But you know the NBA is really has really been the lead on this. Yeah, I want to try and pull up the exact uh, timetable of events. I know they they said there's going to be an announcement on June first. You know, an official announcement, uh, you know, probably coming from Adam Silver, which will have kind of much the same way the MLB tried to, you know, they, they dumped a 67-page document. I think Adam Silver will have something a little less than that, that at least he's going to give to the to the public and, and, and out, um, you know, yeah. for, for the news outlets. Um, but that's going to come June 1st. Uh, June 21st is when they want practices to resume. So... From what I've understood from this, and again, I think these are probably the details that maybe teams are learning now and that we'll get to find out when this official announcement comes. I think the NBA is hoping that teams can begin, you know, slowly start getting people back into your markets and that June 21st practices would begin and that by July 15th, Everybody is in the bubble site, which right now the, the the leading candidate is Disney in Orlando, which kind of makes sense. You know, I didn't know that they had a basketball court, but I mean, I guess you could build one pretty easily <laughs> if you had to. Um, yeah, I I didn't I didn't I I don't know. I've never been to Disney, so I don't know. Like, have you been? Do they have a basketball court there? Is there is there like a, an arena there in Disney? Do you know, um... Christian? Not that I know of, like specifically, but you know, I, I they have the space, that's for sure. And I think, like you said, they could probably, you know, put something together that that'll be like, you know, all the regulation size and all that stuff. But I mean, I know they have the space, and I think it's just like Disney itself is kind of already an isolated area, so I think it it makes a lot of sense that in Vegas, the two spots that have been mentioned a lot, um, both of those just make a lot of sense. And I think Disney is another one that's just. It's, it's already isolated. There's a bunch of resorts that teams can stay at. You can put something together in terms of a court. There might already be one. I'm not, I'm not sure on the specifics of that. Yeah. I just know that, uh, you know, the space is, is more than accommodating. So yeah. So I think they, uh, they shouldn't have a real, a real problem with it. So they'll, they'll have all the games starting July 15th and, um, the goal they imagine they, Adam Silver said they want to have full playoffs. He, they want same with the NHL. They want seven game series. Now the the NHL will get into their exact proposal is going to be a little bit different as far as their seating and how they set things up. But both leagues have said they want full seven game series. That way the 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 champion that's crowned, there's no like, well you know they only played five games of the first two rounds, so really it shouldn't be counted. They don't want to have any of that. If they're going to go forward yeah. and they're going to crown a champion, they want it to be as legit as possible. And so likely, the uh, you know we talk about get it over and like if you really wanted to go fast, you could have like three game series and then a seven game finals, and you could get over in two weeks. Um, it sounds like this is going to stretch probably into September, um, from from the sounds of it. Um, because I'm guessing what they're I saw that floated like oh could last as long as you know into September, and I'm guessing probably what they're going to want to do is space out games in such a way to accommodate testing. Um, I know by, by then you know and already I mean you you can get some rapid testing, um, 
maybe they're going to want to give a little more time between games. You know, there definitely won't be any back-to-back games. Maybe it's two days between games. That way, any potential, you know, if if somebody say, oh, crap, you know, uh, Donovan Mitchell is, is, or he's already been positive, but, you know, you know what I mean. Somebody, oh, LeBron James has is, is got COVID-19, and you can take the time. You already have the time built in to kind of go through everybody, so maybe you don't have to just shut it all down again, um, which is what happened in Korean basketball. They started back up. Obviously, their testing and everything was way uh, ahead. I mean, they could basically test every single citizen. The United States is a much larger country, so harder to do so. Um, but they tried to start back up. Somebody got sick. They shut it back down again for a little while, and then they started it back up again. I don't know if the NBA is going to want to do that, and so that's why the biggest piece of this was the testing, and I think that's why you started to get the announcements this week was because some of that kind of fell in place with the companies um, that they you know were in talks with to be like kind of like the official coronavirus tester of the NBA. Once that fell in place, now it's really just about getting the players' needs kind of sorted out the the small details hey do we have to stay in our hotels you know can we go into a town you know james harden wants to know if he can go to strip clubs you know or are they basically on full lockdown i think those are the details that are that they're trying to iron out now to try and make sure there's no there's no mutiny they don't want to have like a star player holding out because it'll just look bad yeah i mean like can you really give a guy uh crap for not wanting to play not really because it's just so unprecedented but I mean, there's so many details that they still need to get get right here in the next uh, few weeks. But, I mean, I think they'll get it done eventually. It's just a matter of, I, I think an important distinction is there's a there's a difference between someone getting sick and the whole thing shutting down because of it. So if someone's getting sick, they need to isolate. But I, I don't think you can just do this thing where you're you're opening it up, shutting it down, opening it. Eventually, it's just going to it's gonna come to, uh, we're either done or we're going to just, you know, kind of work through it. I mean, these guys are all, you know, relatively young, and they're in they're in pretty good shape. Um, and that's not to say they have to play. If they don't want to play, they don't play. But um, I think a lot of the stars of the the NBA have already pretty much. I know there was a rumor that uh, LeBron has already held workouts with some guys, and and you know, within the re- uh, regulations of the CDC and everything like that. But um, I think there's there's guys that want to play. If someone doesn't, then they don't. But it's important to you know, realize that if you're going forward with this, it's important to, you can't just keep shutting down if someone gets sick and then open it back up. Eventually it's just going to be too late. Um, and, you know, if, if they can get this in, the timeline remains as, as is, as we mentioned, then the 2021 season will start during Christmas time or something like that, which is what they want to do anyway. Um, so it's just a matter of, can they get all of these details uh, done and hammered out, and and you know you see what you got, but it's important to get these guys back in the gyms here soon. So uh, Colin chimed in on the comment section that there is an enormous complex um, called the Wide World of Sports, and that makes sense. You know Disney owns ESPN, so it would make sense that you know they they might have something sports related at Disney. And I'm going to put this up on the screen for those watching live. If it wants to go, does it want to go? I don't think it wants to go. I'll effort this, but it is a massive complex. I mean, there's outdoor, there's plenty of outdoor basketball courts, baseball fields, soccer fields. There's an indoor, there's a giant indoor field house. Um, there is a lot there. 
So uh, yeah, they they're not going to have to uh, to 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 do much. Uh, oh, that's why. Ah, that is why that wasn't going. There you go. Um, yeah, you you're not going to have to build the infrastructure. It is already there. <laughs> so um, plenty for 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 teams to work with. And now, the, I think the biggest thing out of this will be about you know where are the hotels in relation to this. You know how. Those are those are all the details that I mean I guess they'll they'll have to disclose to to us the public the media, um, but those are the those are the, these are like the most crucial details is you know the players playing you know if everybody's tested negative the players playing and trainers and coaches all that that's fine it's gonna be where the areas where they could potentially run into problems it's going to be coming from a hotel to the arena are they driving themselves are you letting uh, do you trust these guys to drive themselves is or is it hey it's team bus and that's it you don't get to have cars are you know are these guys being locked down how are they getting food are they allowed to fend for themselves or is it regimented like hey no breakfast lunch dinner at these times it's like it's like you know uh, old school training camp um so we'll see those those are going to be the details um the, the small details that are going to matter the most but uh, if you're if you're watching live and and we can pump this out later as well, uh, all the graphics we use during the show go out on our social media platforms, um, so you can always catch those there later if you're listening as a podcast and want to go see. But we're looking right now at the wide world of sports complex, which I'm sure has grown. I'm sure even from you know when this picture, uh, this little diagram was made, um, they have they've probably added even more, um, and and I'm sure once it becomes official that hey this is where. This is where they're going. Uh, I think we'll 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 get we'll get all sorts of we'll get a nine part ESPN uh, special on uh, on the wide world of sports complex. Don't you think? Yeah, probably. I mean, they're doing specials on everything else. Why not <laughs> make it happen? Um, I think. Uh, I don't know. I just think it's like something like this. I mean, like you were mentioning the details and stuff, but I, I think if you're going to have guys like quarantine or isolate in like Vegas or Disney or wherever. I think you just make it as, as clean and simple as possible. So you say you're staying here, you can do, you, you know, stay with your teammates, I think is, is reasonable because you're going to be playing with them anyway. Um, and then you got to get on the bus, you know, it's got to be different because this whole thing is going on. I think guys got to understand that's going to be different no matter what. And you know, eventually they'll they'll get something together. I'm uh, I'm pretty sure. I think the guys want to come back and play. So, um, unlike the uh, major league baseball players, but yeah, we'll uh, we'll see what happens with the NBA. But I think they're kind of the front runner here to get everything going. Yep. Um, the NHL also had uh, their proposal come out this week, and uh, it you know we we had heard a couple of different ones, and it's going to be a, the 24 team uh, playoff format has been approved. And basically what they've done, you know, they're splitting the, the conferences up, 12 teams each conference. The top four teams all will get like a quote-unquote bye. And then the other remaining eight teams basically are going to play, a, you know, a, uh, a round robin uh, or, or best of, they're going to play best of three series um, to get in. So if you're the fifth best team, and you're, you know, 20 points up uh, from the eighth seed. Doesn't matter. You are now playing a three-game series with the Montreal Canadiens <laughs> to try and get get into the playoffs. 
Um, I, I think it's interesting. It's going to be compelling. Somebody's going to get screwed. You know, there's going to be a team that just, you know, and you know, luckily it's best of three. It's not, you know, just single elimination because obviously in a hockey game, anything could happen. Um, they're giving at least those better teams. They're, it's a it's a compromise. Throw those teams that feel like, oh, we could have had a chance. Throw them a little bit of a bone, and then hopefully the teams that are like in the fifth spot in a conference can easily, you know, knock off the 12 seed, and uh, and we can just kind of get down to business as usual with uh, our full seven game series slate of uh, of playoffs. But who knows? You could have you could have the first. I mean, it's it's hockey, so. You know, you could have the first ever 12 seed win the uh, the Stanley Cup. It would be crazy. Yeah, I, the the uh, NHL proposal worries me in one way, and I, I know Brian Burke mentioned this, uh, who is, an, I believe he's an analyst right now, but he's been in, in and around the league for a long time. He, uh, he said something to the effect of, like, having these 24-team playoffs is just asking for some type of coronavirus thing. Like whether it's it's not a full outbreak or whatever, but you're gonna get someone's gonna get it, um, which I kind of agree with. I think 24 is a lot, even if it was like I don't know 20, maybe you could make a case for. I, I just I don't like the amount of teams that they're doing and try trying to accommodate these teams that I'm sorry that that we're kind of just out of it. And you know, like you mentioned, someone's gonna get screwed. Luckily, it won't be you know the top the top seeds. They'll get some type of buy. But, uh, you know, the Pittsburghs and, and those teams like Columbus and those teams that we're going to get in now have to go face, you know, Montreal, say, Carey Price, who's still, you know, an all-world goalie. He gets hot and then you're out. Um, it just seems kind of weird. And I don't know, but that would piss off some of those teams, I would imagine, just just getting screwed over by this 2014 format. But, I mean, unprecedented times, I guess. So what can you do? But it's just one of those things that I'm not sure of, I think I would rather see lesser teams uh, or less teams rather. And, uh, and then just, you know, play some, play some warm up games or, or some type of camp and then get going on the Stanley cup playoffs. But yeah, it will be interesting because I, I have a feeling this is going to anger some guys if, if they get knocked out in the first round somehow. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, how, how would you feel, Boston Bruins fans, if the uh, the Montreal Canadiens won a best-of-three series to get into the playoffs? And you're playing them in the first round. I think even though the Bruins this year have been a wagon, I, I think uh, uh, nobody would feel happy. Nobody would feel settled about about the, the prospect of that. Because, honestly, if you're the top teams, right, you know, you don't have momentum anymore. There There is no... Whatever you had going in mid-March is long gone. So you're starting from scratch, essentially here. Now, obviously, if you're you have talent, that helps. But hockey's not always just about talent. It's about you know momentum and physicality, and 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 there's a lot of there's a lot of other elements to it. And so those teams that win those, you know, that first, you know, that best of three, anybody that's gonna play in that playing round that comes out of that is going to be hardened more so and they're going to have knocked some rust off. They're going to be a little more battle tested, you know, because they'll be the first ones to have actually gotten the games in. So I think, you know, a team, I would not be shocked to see a team come out of that playing round, win a championship 
this year. It, it would not stun me at all. In fact, I might even lean that way um, until we see, you know, the other teams play. You know, if, say, yeah, the Canadians, you know, uh, get hot and they, they sweep the, uh, the you know, whoever the five seed is, and then they play the Bruins, and the Bruins wipe the floor with them. Then it's like, okay, well, that really didn't matter that much. But if that 12 seed wins, you know, and then they steal game one, and now it's a back-and-forth series, you can see kind of the map of how that team, and then now that 12 seed has won the first round, they beat the number one seed, now all bets are off. Now it's just complete chaos. So um, I don't know. What are your thoughts on that about that? 12 seed if they win if they can win or the lower seed if they can win having having an advantage over over the top seeds or will it just will talent win out no matter what in that situation because there's such a disparity well you know you'd say talent wins i mean look the nba is a lot different talent the talent wins 90 percent of the time but the nhl on a year-to-year basis is way different now any team you know, you look at Tampa Bay now, granted they're chokers, but still Columbus beat them. So like these teams get into the playoffs and the difference between the NHL regular season and the NFL or the NHL playoffs is just immense. So it, it's just a completely different game. Um, it's tougher defensively. It's more of a rugged game. And these bigger teams, you know, more often than not will come out like the blues and then just crush you over a seven game series and you eventually wear you down. So I think the 12 or, you know, whatever seed had a chance before, but now I think with this whole break situation and, and all these top teams coming off long uh, rest, I think it helps them even more. And it's just, it's one of those things that the NHL already has a, has a pretty good disparity of winners. Now, you know, like Sidney Crosby's and Ovechkin's, they, they do get theirs. But, you know, you see these teams in the playoffs take out number one seeds, number two seeds. So it would not shock me in the least if, you know, Montreal came in and, and wiped a couple teams out and all of a sudden they're in, you know, whatever, conference finals or whatever it is. But let me ask you this. So if a team like Montreal comes in and beats all these teams and they go to the cup and say they win it, some lower seed like that, is there a asterisk on that season? Whereas if you have the Blues or Bruins win it, they've been wire to wire the best teams. So there's not really an asterisk. One of those lower teams gets in that that really probably shouldn't have. Is there an asterisk asterisk on the season? Oh, that's tough. I think I think no matter what, there should be an asterisk, but it shouldn't be like a diminished asterisk. It should be a like this was the COVID nineteen year. COVID. Like it's just yeah. it's just understood that you know whether it was a 12 seed you know who was 15 games out of the playoffs, which by all like logic like like they had the like point oh 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 one chance of like everything lining up for them to like win out and everybody else lose out and them get in, you know wins a cup, um, or it's you know the Bruins or the Blues or somebody like that who's been a wire to wire you know, claims a cup. Everyone's facing different amounts of adversity here, but it's all the same adversity. Um, Like we're saying, the top seeds are like, hey, these guys are going to get to play games first and, like, get it all in. The lower seeds are like, you know, crap, we don't want to have to play the 12 seed before we have to go play the Bruins. Are you kidding me? Um, So 
uh, I think there should be an there should be an asterisk, but it shouldn't be like to diminish the championship. It should be to highlight that this was an extraordinary circumstances. This was a crazy year, and this team had to overcome all of that. You know that it it should be lifted up as like, you know, and I think if a twelve seed did, I mean, I think it would. I think it would. <laughs> It would I don't know. Would it be good for hockey? Would it be good for the hockey? I mean, it's already good enough because you know, like, hey, an eight seed can knock off a one seed. Like, it, it happens all the time, or not all the time, but enough. Where the the NHL playoffs are one of the best playoff products uh, in the world. You know, eh, I don't know if it would. I don't know if it would help help it or hurt it because it's already so good. Um, there should be an asterisk, but I don't think it should be a negative asterisk. Okay, that's fair. I, I just think you know. Uh, how the internet works and the general public. Works. Oh, They're, oh! Uh, if you're asking me what I think, <laughs> what I think, and what I think people will think, oh, that's two totally different things. I mean, no, yeah, I mean, if if the Bruins, if if a top seed, if one of the top three seeds in either conference wins it, uh, you know, there there won't be any there won't be any belly aching. If the Montreal Canadiens win the cup this year, one aside from you know having to vomit. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think th- there'll be people saying, like, nah, fake champions, they shouldn't have been there in the first place. It's all BS. This was set up by the league. You know, why would you even let 12 teams, maybe let 10 teams, why would you dig that deep? This had to be a setup. Like, it would, yeah. It, Freaking Goodell did it again. He screwed us. Yeah, there'd, there'd be, you know, uh, Batman. Um, there, there'd be... Yeah, they'd be belly aching all 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 over the place. Um, like I said, rationally, I think no matter what, there should be an asterisk just because it should it, it it should commemorate that they were able to do this. They were able to. And this is, I mean, it, it makes it sound like they're overcoming, like you know, that they themselves are out there on the front lines. Like you know, it's not like we took a team comprised of front line workers and had them go win a Stanley Cup, um, which would be awesome. Um, but. Uh, it's 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 not like these guys are you know it's not like the adversity that the uh, professional athlete is facing right now is not the same as the rest of us so but it it just it just should highlight that it was extraordinary times and and they still played a season and this team was still the champion just so that you know you know down the line you know because you know sixty years from now you know maybe some young kids will be like. You know, they won't even know that that's what happened this year. Wait, how come they only played 65 games that season? You know, and there's a little asterisk. It goes down to the bottom. It says, oh, this was during the pandemic. Oh, okay, cool. It's an informative asterisk, not not an ignorant one. <laughs> yeah, I would, agree. I would agree with that generally. I don't think, you know, I don't think any anybody that's able to get through the, the Stanley Cup playoffs, which how uh, tough it is to come through all those games. I mean, there's going to be an asterisk because it's a pandemic, but not because... Uh, they should be diminished in any way. Yeah, yeah. Use the asterisk for what it was originally intended for. Um, so, uh, Christian, I see that you you want you just you write in uh, in, our, in our little uh, in our show thing that we prepped throughout the week. You just put MLB. Ha 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 ha. <laughs> so while we're still on the the topics of the leagues as a whole, uh, I'll let you have the floor here on uh, on Major League Baseball. Oh man, <clears throat> I think the MLB in for all of its. Uh... The players and the owners coming together and not being able to get something done here sooner than the NHL and NBA is kind of a joke. And I'm not sure if it's because if it's because the players don't want to play 
then fine. I, I fully understand that. I, I have no gripes with anybody that doesn't want to play during this. It's a uh, real situation. It's a scary situation. It's a way different situation. Uh, but uh, the MLB had a real chance here to make some changes. The game itself is already isolation uh, between position players, outfielders, you know, base runners and, and position players sometimes get together. And what they do is they release a 77 million page uh, memo saying that uh, you can't spit, you can't use sunflower seeds, you can't do anything that baseball players do. And I, I think it's an absolute uh, joke that they had a chance here before anybody else to come back, get something together. And here we are with the NBA, NHL moving forward, and the MLB is nowhere to be found. And the game is already dying out, and I just I, I don't understand the player side of it. You know, normally I'll be on the player side here in these situations, but uh, they don't seem like they want to play, which is fine. But just shut it down then, because it's just it's one of these things where. They could have come back on this 80-game schedule. It would have been everybody watching because everybody's dying for sports. Hell, I would have watched a three-hour Red Sox Yankee game. And instead, you're going to have the other leagues come back. The MLB is going to take a backseat again. And that's all she wrote. Another season, and the MLB does nothing different. Uh, it's all the same as it usually is. And they continue to go down the – they're just literally rolling down the hill – towards nothingness pretty much because nobody watches and these younger generations don't grow up watching baseball wanting to watch baseball it's really the older generation they had a chance to put together an 80 game season change some of the rules uh do some different things and maybe make it interesting and instead here we are where we're going to get no baseball before the other leagues by the time they're back everything's going to be back probably and you know, it is what it is, another year. And the MLB uh, screws it up again. I, I, I don't really understand it. Um, I'll get your thoughts on on what you think about the, the uh, MLB players versus kind of owners situation here because I just I, – I have a hard time siding with the players when they're saying three different things. If you don't want to play because of the pandemic, don't play. That's fine. I, I don't have an issue with that. If you don't want to play because they're not giving you all your money – but there also is a pandemic. There's kind of a contradiction there. We mentioned it last week, but um, once again, they're on the backseat and uh, they're screwed. Yeah. Uh, millionaires arguing with billionaires never really gets me all that excited. You know, I don't, I, it's, it's hard for me. You know, I, I, I just, you know, it upsets me. <laughs> and, and I, we have, we're going to be talking about Dak Prescott in a little bit. Um, and this kind of falls in line with some of this. Um, I think you're absolutely right. I mean, I think it's it's the MLB had a chance here to be the league that could figure it out, come back first, be be the only, be literally the only thing, because baseball for the most part, you know, is as far as the it's it's the it's right now it's the fourth out of out of the major leagues. I'd say even though hockey is more of a niche sport, it's it's way more exciting and compelling. People get more fired up, and 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 everybody. Even people who aren't big hockey fans will watch Stanley Cup playoff games because the playoffs are just unreal. Um, so hockey was already just falling falling away from, from the top three of the NFL, NBA, and NHL. They had a chance here, even though they're the only thing in the summer, to recapture more 
people because we're sports starved. And instead, they're just doing the same things that baseball always does, which is drag their feet. You know, it takes them forever to make a rule change that seems like this is just logical. Let's just do this. And it takes them like five years to figure it out. And then they implement something to to fix the problem, and it doesn't even fix the problem, and it's worse. And then it takes them half a season to re- to even though you know in ten minutes it's bad. No, let's take a month or two, think about it. Maybe we'll repeal this rule and fix it. Blah blah blah. It's typical baseball. And uh, what's going to happen is they're going to figure something out, and they're going to come back at, like, they're going to be like, okay, we're going to have a 45-game season, and it's going to be late July into early September, and just as they're, like, finishing up their regular season is where we're going to get the second spike of coronavirus, and they're going to have to shut down, and uh, that'll effectively end baseball as a sport. <laughs> um because they, they totally dropped the ball here. As far as the players versus the owners in this situation, you know, uh, I don't have too much sympathy for either of them, but I, I would agree with you that, you know, if you don't want to play out of fear for your safety and blah, 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 and all that, understandable. You want to protect yourself. You want to protect your family. You just don't think it's the right thing to do. Great. Don't expect to get paid. You are a, an employee. You are paid a lot of money to swing a stick at a rock, essentially. So, you know, bitching about, you know, I want all my money that I was supposed to get this year. Well, too bad, you know. Uh, and understandably, the own the owners, uh, you know, are probably going to still make a lot of money, but they're gonna they're gonna also lose a lot of money. You know, it's just that's just simple economics. You know, it it should be understandable that hey, everybody's going to take take a hit this year. Maybe we make it up to you next year, you know. You know, individual teams could. There's nothing. There's nothing against individual teams working things out with players. Hey, you don't want to play this year? Fine, we can't pay you, but maybe we'll we can tack something on to next year. We can figure out a revenue plan. You know, there's 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 options here, but saying you want all your money, you just you just look so selfish. Like, dude, some you're being you have a chance to go make millions of dollars right now to swing a stick at a rock. And you're gonna bitch that it's like six million and not eleven million when we have thirty million people unemployed. Like it's just it's just tone deaf. I mean it's it's just these guys live in a different stratosphere. Um, so it's yeah. I don't like hearing hearing it. So I side more with the owners in this situation only because I just think that they're on the right side of the argument. It's like listen, we want to try and get games in. If you don't want to play, fine. Just don't expect to get paid. I mean if if Salve right now, um, you know said hey. Sports are coming back. We need you to come broadcast games. And I was like, I don't want to do it. I don't feel safe about it. I don't think it's the right time. I don't think it, I, you know, for, for myself, for those around me, I don't think I want to do it. I would understand that by saying I'm not coming to work, I'm not getting paid. <laughs> that's just exactly. that's just logic. Um, that's the way the world works. It's a little dose of reality for some of these professional athletes. So that's 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 my argument, you know. If if you want it, if you want to hold out because you want all your money, hold out. Guess what? You ain't gonna get it. And I don't think any of these teams should give it to these guys, um, you know, it, who are quabbling about that in this in this scenario. You know, you can work it out. You can figure it out. You can say, listen, this is gonna be prorated for everybody. We're all in the same boat. If we end up making like extra and we can we can dole out more, probably the owners won't. But um, 
I don't know. I think you just have to accept the circumstances for this season and move on. Oh, boo-hoo, take your $6 million and and go home. So that's how I really feel. Totally agree. <laughs> that, totally agree. That That's how I really feel. Um, while we're on the topic of money, um, I wanted to talk about Dak Prescott, and I think, you know, it along the same lines of, you know, not understanding where the, the world is. Apparently this guy has turned down a five-year, $175 million deal from the Cowboys. You know, he's he's under the franchise tag right now. If he doesn't, if he doesn't sign it, um, or if he doesn't sign an extension by, I think it's July 15th. Um, there's something about July 15th. Um, he has to... Um, uh, he has to sign it by then, or he has to play under it, um, no matter what. They can work out an extension, but he's playing under. It. I don't know what I, I forget what it is exactly that I saw, but so there's there's a clock here for for him, but it it's like it's not like they're not offering him. I mean, under, I'd understand his frustration if it was like they franchised me. Okay, they wanted to keep me under control, but now like let's work out an extension, and they're like, no, no, you're gonna play for the year. Because like they they they're still not sold on me, dude. They're offering you multiple years and to be one of the highest paid quarterbacks, and he wants more. Now I've heard too that he also wants he wants less years but the same money, which is obviously more per year, which it would work out to like you know he wants like forty five million dollars a year. Like it's insane money. It's it's baseball money, um, and honestly, Dak, you're not Tom Brady. You're not Patrick Mahomes. You're not Russell Wilson. You're better than Jared Goff. So I guess if the market for, you know, is, is based off of where all these guys are getting paid, you should get paid more than Jared Goff. You haven't won a Super Bowl. I, has he even won a playoff game? I think maybe one. Um, so, which I think was a fluke, if, if, if memory serves. Um, so, take the money. How do you not? Like, it's it's the same thing. It's like, you know, there's 30 million and growing unemployed people right now, and you want to make more money in a year than there are unemployed people currently. Like, how, how do, and how do you not think that that money, you know, is going to be there down the road? What happens when the NFL can't have fans in the stands? What happens when a lot of things happen, and now you're, like, holding out for this contract? Like, and what happens if they start losing money? They're like, listen, Dak, actually, we can't offer you. I heard... One report that the NFL cap might go down by as much as forty percent next year. That's yep. insane. A team like the Cowboys that could have money if you had forty, if you had like eighty million dollars tied up between your quarterback and a running back, <laughs> you are screwed. Um, this is what Bill Bill knew. Bill was planning for this all along. Um, oh God, here we go. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Bill actually released coronavirus so that he can retake the league with all his seventh round picks on rookie contracts. Um, so, uh, how do you not just like jump on that? You know what? Yeah, I'm taking it. Um, I, it just also brings you know that is one issue of it, and the other issue is like these guys who it's like just because it's your time doesn't mean it's your time to reset the market. You know, hey, Andy Dalton's a free agent, and the the Bengals like well gotta, I guess it's our time to make him the highest paid quarterback in NFL history, like take the guys should get deals that are commensurate to what they've done and a little bit of to where you think they can go, you know 
Dak Prescott had a great year last year. So understandably, he should and, and he's a free agent. They should give him, you know, uh, they should give him a solid contract. Um, he should not if he hasn't won a Super Bowl yet. He should not make be making more than any of the other guys that are kind of in his bracket. You know, he should be making more than Jared Goff. Bossy Jared Goff is overpaid. If I was the Rams, I said this at the time. Don't pay that man thirty million dollars. You could draft another quarterback in the second round to do what he does. Especially if you're Sean McVay and you're supposed to be some quarterback whisperer and an offensive, you know, genius. You know, you can't draft another guy to run that uh, play-action handoff offense and just all these little dump-off dump passes and easy reads, you know. You could just draft another guy and have him on a rookie deal and then keep your team together. Instead, all these teams, they just feel like they're afraid. You know, I understand maybe if you if you know deep down, like, I can't coach quarterbacks. I need to have a Peyton Manning or a Tom Brady. And this guy's not Peyton Manning or Tom Brady, but he's good enough, and we need to keep him. Um, so they, they overpay. But just every single time, Ryan Tannehill's going to get, at the time, like, the he had like the high, he was the highest-paid quarterback in the league. Ryan Tannehill on the Dolphins. Like, it's just ridiculous that these guys get overpaid like this. Just because it's their free agency doesn't mean it's their time to reset the market. And all these teams are too afraid to do anything about it. They don't. They don't. They're just afraid of of not having the quarterback, so they overpay and then they screw themselves. You know, down down the line because then they can't build a team. You know, Andrew Luck. I guess if you want to keep him, if that's what he wants, you overpay because he he is legit. You know, Matt Stafford. You know, you don't want him to leave because he will get money somewhere else. That's what the market would bear. You got to pay him that. You know, Andy Dalton. Ryan Tannehill, Jared Goff, and honestly right now, Dak Prescott, I'm not paying you $45 million. And if the Cowboys really wanted to play this game with him, they should have just let him go to free agency. They should have just seen what the market was. Maybe Dak goes and sees, oh, wow, teams only want to offer me like $16 million. Uh, maybe I'll come back to the Cowboys. Uh, maybe I'll sign that uh, that franchise tag. Uh, maybe maybe I'll take uh uh you know you wind up getting him for a lesser deal, um, and you could have kicked the tires on Tom Brady if you were the Cowboys, you know, you're playing this game where it's like he doesn't know what the market is, he's just gonna guess his own market, uh, and then you're forced to just go off of his crazy demands without having any evidence to back up like, dude, the cheat you know the the Buccaneers offered you ten million, no, we're giving you twelve, that's our final offer, and he's gonna take it, I don't know. I just think it's the cow. The Cowboys in this situation played it dumb, and Dak's being dumb with just not taking at this point what they're willing to give him because it's a lot of money. Yeah, I mean it's a it's an interesting one. I uh, he's definitely not worth like the Patrick Mahomes style deal or what he's gonna what he's gonna presumably make or even Russell Wilson or someone like that. He's got one playoff win to his name. Hasn't really done much in the league. It's just, he's just like one of those guys that is, uh, I would say he's above average. He's definitely better than Goff, but he he is going to get paid, but probably not to the length that he wants to get paid. Now, if he went to market, maybe someone would give him that. I, I'm not sold yet. Um, I think he's a, he's a pretty good quarterback, but again, with that Cowboys roster that they've had, um, he, he he's only got one win to his name and he hasn't really, it's not like he's gone out and, and you know, like the Tom Brady Eagles year where he just went for 500 yards and five touchdowns or whatever it was and, and they lost, but he, he hasn't really elevated to like superstardom. So it's not like he should be paid 
uh, of the uh, Patrick Mahomes, Russell Wilson, uh, Tom Brady level, Drew Brees, something like that when they were when those guys were in their prime. Yeah, I, I'm gonna go so, down. I, I'm gonna, here's the, here's the list of like the, 2019 quarterbacks: Mahomes, Rodgers, Brady, Brees, Wilson, Rivers, Matt Ryan, Roethlisberger. Um, and now you're kind of like getting into like a, the second tier: Wentz, Goff. Baker Mayfield, who hasn't signed a contract yet, so we don't know. Um, but Deshaun Watson, Dak Prescott, there you go, 13th. That's kind of where he is, and that's kind of where he should be paid, the third tier. Some of these younger guys that just haven't done enough. And if you're a free agent, more than if you're a free agent there, I mean, you know, and like fourth tier guys are like your Matt Stafford's, Kirk Cousins. Now, Kirk Cousins got a lot of money, but for three years, like, it was all guaranteed, $25 million a year, three years. That's, you know, he got a lot of guarantee. He got fully guaranteed, first time that ever happened, which was which was awesome for him. And it's worked out for the Vikings for the most part. But, like, where he's looking to get paid, like, is right there. You know, above, you know, if average is 15 out of 30, you know, or 16 out of 32, he's at 13, kind of right, right where he should be. And that's where you should get paid, somewhere in that seventeen to twenty-two million dollars a year, because that's where the market is for those quarterbacks. If he won MVP last year, if he took him to an NFC Championship game, then maybe, yeah, maybe you know, you don't want to let him go to market because some team will overpay. Who was going to overpay for? Who was going to give Dak Prescott more than thirty-five million dollars a year, or anything even close to that on the free agent market? Pff, no one. Come on. So I would I think, think more like twenty five. Someone would overpay like twenty five, twenty eight. I would say that range, but sure. But then you all you got to do is offer him twenty nine, and he's yours. <laughs> you know, because now he knows yeah. what the market is. Instead, now they sure, yeah, he, he's mean, he's sitting here asking for forty five. <laughs> I don't know if he would go that insane. I would hope not. But he, in my opinion, he's definitely above golf. I, I think you put the line there, and then you say you know that he's not in the top five, top eight, maybe, but he's in that. Uh, nine, ten, eleven range. I would say. Yeah. So I, I just think, I just think, you know, under normal circumstances, ugh, circumstances. Um, there's always one word each week. Uh, circumstances. It's he's being foolish. In light of the fact that, dude, get this, get a contract on the books, because who knows? As early as September, we may be seeing that. You know, the money is just not going to be what you thought it's going to be, and you're screwed. Um, look at a guy like <laughs> like Mookie Betts was hoping to get his, like, $500 million payday. That's not going to happen. The money is not going to be there for a guy like that uh, come his free agency, you know, next offseason, um, if baseball still exists. Um, you know what I mean? Like, just under current circumstances, yeah. man, take the money. Like, what are you doing? What more do you need? I do not disagree. So, uh, that was that. Um, a lot of rants. There's just been a lot of rants building up uh, this week. Um, so we have two Patriots things, Patriots-related things. Um, I'd say I'll let you go first with the uh, with the. We'll we'll start with Tom Brady, and then we'll take from Tom Brady and segue into some 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 Patriots discussion. So um, much like uh, ESPN did the last dance 
uh, you know, a love song to Michael Jordan, um, their nine-part series, which actually is pretty good. At first, I just started it last week. Um, I know it's been out for it's started for a while. At first, I was like, "What's the big deal? Like, we know, like, what is there more to know about the Chicago Bulls?" Like, and then I find out, oh, they had a film crew embedded with that '98 Bulls team for the whole year, and they've been sitting on this footage for 20 years. Okay, I'm a little more intrigued now. Um, so it, it's it's worth the watch. But now they announced that Tom Brady's going to have a nine part documentary next year, which is like the dude's not even done playing. Like, what? It it's just it, I understand his Tom vs. Time thing. He wanted to produce his own thing. Like that was his own thing that he was doing. Um, you know that happens. Edelman made a documentary. It was all about his return from injury. That makes sense. Like a a kind of like a retrospective career thing when like yes you're not even done playing yet. It's just very 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 different for Tom. Uh, and I'll let you Christian kind of expound upon where I think you're going to go on this. Yeah, it's just like okay, Jordan, right? He uh, let's see, what uh, what year did Mister Jordan retire? Two thousand three, yes, something like that. At, late in his career as the wizard with the Wizards when he wasn't really doing much, but and then uh, Mister Tom is in uh, Florida, right, going to try to win a Super Bowl for Tampa. But we're gonna do a documentary series now. So twenty years later, seventeen years later, or whenever this was filmed, I think it was. 97 that he had this film crew with him for hit for Jordan's series. So now all of a sudden, 23 years later, here comes the series, which is a good series. And then Tom has to take his crew and say, well, I'm going to do one on all the Super Bowls that we won and lost with the Patriots. If you're a Tampa Bay fan, shouldn't you feel like, what the hell, dude? <laughs> yeah. You're not even freaking retired and you're already making this, this crap instead of, you know, Trying to win a Super Bowl, I, I don't know. I'm just getting a lot of uh, a lot of TB12 thrown in my face lately, and uh, it's it's not about Tom the player as much as it is Tom the the brand and the guy who is just. I, I mean, if Bill is saying, uh, I, I can't do this anymore with this guy, maybe that's part of it. Is this TB12 brand is just taking over, and it's getting it's just getting thrown in your face time after time here. Do you take your protect and nutrients another... today? <laughs> You take oh, your protect Jesus, nutrients. Yeah. <laughs> In the middle of the pandemic, we're putting out a protect uh, protect uh, immune supplement. Like I just like it's just Tom Brady as a Patriot football player. Love it. TB12, the guy. And as soon as this, you know, crap started with his brand and stuff, I uh, I just can't get behind it for some reason. It's just, it just bugs the crap out of me. It works, maybe it doesn't, but like, it just seems like it's just such poor form to come out and release this supplement in the middle of a pandemic. And and you know, I'm sorry, this is not a freaking cure or something like that. I don't even know what he's projecting it as, but you know, it, it helps build your immune system, so you you know you can stay healthier. Well, if you're gonna get it, you're gonna get it. No supplement's gonna freaking you know guard you against it. And it's just, I don't know, I'm just getting a lot of Brady thrown in my face, and I'm not enjoying it as much. Uh, and it has nothing to do with the player, so, you know, there's a difference that I make. And I'll still root for him on the field, and when he goes to Tampa, I'm still going to root for him. But uh, TB12, the brand, this document, this docu-series is just, it's just getting annoying. And I, I'm like, it's just starting to bother me. 
TB12. Tampa Bray, Tampa Brady. Docu-series before I'm even retired. Just wait till you retire to do this thing. It just seems weird to me. And all of a sudden now, you're coming out with this damn series. I don't know. So he's just bugging the crap out of me. Maybe maybe Tom uh, partnered with uh, Peter Popoff, and he's got some uh, uh, miracle spring water in those, uh, in those Protect pills, you know? <laughs> the, yeah, you know, that's possible. <laughs> the, the miracle water. Concussion water, maybe? Yeah. Um, so the power of Christ is in these, these pills. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm with you on all that. It's, it's so strange. If I was like a Tom is still, it, it's like you can tell and you've been able to tell that it's like, he's just, he's just faking the smile for Tampa Bay. I don't think he gives two craps about Tampa Bay at all because he's like, he's still like, it's still all Patriot stuff. You know, it took him like three weeks to like post his first like Tampa thing. It was all about New England, New England, New England. Goodbye, New England. I love you guys. Oh, to the fans. Oh, to my players. Oh, to my coaches. Blah blah blah. And it was just like, dude, go, <laughs> leave. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, and- one more thing. He, uh, that you know, you mentioned that, and then this week he's out and doing uh, OTA work. Didn't he tell Howard Stern that Giselle and him needed to work on their marriage? So what happened to that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know, I know. Oh, well, hey, maybe after like three weeks of being in the same house together every single second, she was like, get out! Um, <laughs> stop making uh, smoothies every five seconds. Um, stop protecting me! Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Giselle, you have to take your protect pill. Um, uh, maybe, maybe, you know, uh, yeah, he, he he just needed to get out of the house for, for a little bit. But this thing, it's like, you know, it's still, like you said, it's going to celebrate all of his Patriot Super Bowls. <laughs> if I was a Tampa Bay fan, I'd be like, "Yo, bro, aren't you gonna win one for us this year? <laughs> like, what about what about when you win one this year, huh, Tom? 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 Like, it's it just it's still it's so weird, and it's just not the timing is just so bizarre. Like you said, um, Colin said in the comment section on TB12, "Why get ahead of yourself if you're if you're in Tampa Bay to win? Wait till you're done." Make a great documentary instead of many mediocre ones, um, and that he 100%. already and that he already embarrassed himself with Tom vs. Time. Um, yeah, you know it's uh, it's just the dude's weird now. He's full on weirdo Tom, and we we've seen it. It's been building slowly since like around 2010. You know when he grew, we should have known when he grew the hair out <laughs> that that something yeah, strange right, was coming. Um, and and this is this is no different. You know he's full. He is no longer Tom Brady. He is TB12. You know, he he has become his brand. Um, And I can't wait for games to start so that we can just have Tom Brady on the field and see what that's like and watch that happen. But, yeah, the the announcement of a documentary. Now, hey, I'll watch. You know, I'd love to see what uh, hidden footage. Maybe he's open. Who knows? Bill don't have any control over this one. Maybe Tom comes flat out and says, this is why Malcolm Butler was benched, you know? Um, so, you know, obviously I'm going to watch, but it's just so weird. And it's kind of like, you know, I have a couple of book Patriot books, you know, written by sports writers. And I have to keep buying new ones because it's like I had one that I bought in 2006, which kind of looked at the building. It was written by Michael Holly. It was about, like, the building of the dynasty. Well, the dynasty kept going. You know, and then there was 07, and you needed to, like, you wanted to know about, like, 07. And then, 
you know, 2010, MVP Brady again happens. And it's like they make another Super Bowl and then they lose. It's like, okay, maybe it's time to do another, like, retrospective. And then they win three out of the next five Super Bowls uh, uh, again. And it's like, okay, uh, crud. You know, we need to write another book. And I, I got I got a book last year by uh, by Kevin O'Connor, which, which kind of – it looks at the entire – 20-year run. I was like, maybe 20 years, that's a good enough snapshot. Um, so to look at just your Patriots career, sure, if you want to look back. But why? Why not look at your whole career when you're done? I don't know. It's just it's just kind of weird. I mean, I guess eventually you have to draw a line <laughs> in the sand and say, like, well, maybe now's the time to reflect on my Patriots career if you really want to do it. But what's the rush? <laughs> like, what is yeah, the it's rush? Too, it's too soon. I'm going to watch it, but it's too soon. That's the That's the bottom line. Yeah. It's it's and and honestly, any of the like sit down stuff, you know, where it's like, you know, you got Jordan like sitting in front of the camera and you can tell it's there's different locations. It was different times like they probably came back to him a couple of times, you know, you know, throughout the year because you can just tell because his wardrobe changes. Hey, you know, today we're going to talk about this, this, you know, about about this point in the 91 season. You know, we're going to do all 91 stuff today. You know, seven hour. interview. Oh, boy. And we have all this footage. Oh, next week we'll come back. We'll talk about 92, you know. That's how these things are done. So you telling me throughout this season, which is already going to be a strange season to begin with, Tom Brady is going to be taking time out of his day, out of preparing to play games for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, to reflect back and talk about being a Patriot. <laughs> awesome. And it's not like it's a five-minute sit-down. It, it's it's you know these are like hour-long, two-hour, four-hour, five-hour-long interviews. On top of like the regular media interviews, they're probably going to do like for TV for that week's matchup. You know, <laughs> oh man, it's hey, it's great because uh, it doesn't affect the Patriots at all. <laughs> we just get to see what happens. Pretty much. Yeah, pretty much. Um, kind of. This is Tom Brady segueing into Patriots talk um, directly. You know, we talked a lot about feeling like how Tom Brady maybe kind of really screwed them last year because he openly kind of has said that he kind of checked out in August. You know, he knew he was leaving and that that affected him maybe with his teammates and blah, 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 and all that stuff. Um, I went back and I watched every single play of Nikhil Harry and Jacoby Myers, two rookies from last year. And I was actually surprised at how much those guys were involved um, late in the season when it felt like, oh, the Patriots have, have nothing on offense. And I kind of felt like, did Myers get hurt? Like, what happened to him? And I'm, I'm going back and I'm looking. I'm like, oh, no, this guy still, like, made some made plays. Like, I watched a play from, like, the Bills game, which was, like, second to last game of the regular season, you know? And I'm, like, watching him, like, he had a big drop, but then, like, Brady went to him on, like, a third and 20, and he made, like, this insane, like, catch in traffic and made a guy miss and, like, got 10 yards after the catch. And I'm like, oh, okay, they must have come back to him at some point in this game again, right? Nope, never even targeted again. Two targets the entire game. Um, same deal with Nikhil Harry. I'll watch him make, like, a really great back shoulder throw. It's like, oh, catch. It's like, oh, that's awesome. You know, did we did we go back to him again at all? Nope, never even looked his way again the rest of the game. Um, and honestly, would I come out of like, watching these guys in their entire year of highlights, and it wasn't just like uh, only the good plays. It was every single time a ball was thrown their way, or or they 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 were targeted on a route. Um, 
they had enough. That team had enough on offense. And it really just feels more and more and more like Brady was a bigger Brady was the issue. You know, and and really, you know, it's one thing to be like you have a a whole complement of like if you had Edelman, Amendola, Gronk, Chris Hogan and 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 you feel like, you know what? You know, why is Jacoby Myers in right now? Like put the guys that I, I trust out on the field and, you know, you know, this is this is this is not cutting time. Like we I I need the best out there. You know, these guys were supposed to be the offense last year. Like if you worked with them, it, it maybe it wouldn't be like you're still trying to get on the same page with them in December. But he just wrote them off from the get-go. And so it just it just feels more and more like I'm laying more blame at Brady's feet for the offense for last year than I initially thought. First it was like, "Hey, you know, he just these rookies just can't get on the same page." And it's just like, "Well, you know what? I think it was just Tom just didn't care to get on the same page." And him bitching about like, you know, "I'm done with this guy. Or I'm done with that guy." It's like, "Well, this is what we got. Like, this Antonio Brown is not walking through that door, fans. Rob Gronkowski is not walking through that door. Like, <laughs> this is what you had to work with. Um, but it gives me hope for this year. Julian Edelman, Mohamed Sanu, Nikhil Harry, Jacoby Myers, these rookie tight ends. Oh, and Gunna Olszewski. Like, honestly, that's a really good wide receiver group. I think they're going to be fine on offense. And I think when they are fine, it's gonna look it's just gonna like it's gonna look ugly for you know, not that anything would ruin or tarnish Brady, but I think when these guys flourish this year you're gonna be like, Oh wow, yeah. I mean I guess the crotchety old man wasn't good for them. All right, so here's where I'm at with this. I agree and I don't. I think they I would say they probably okay. <clears throat> this is tough because the two injuries to Sanu and Edelman were very real and they hurt. Uh, pretty bad down the stretch. So did they have enough? Yes. With the injuries, probably not. Now, they could have easily beaten the freaking Dolphins uh, and gotten a first-round bye, and then, you know, who knows what. Uh, the problem with these guys was number one on my list is obviously Brady didn't want to work with the young guys. I mean, we can just say that point blank now. And the second part of it is – a lot of the time, they had trouble getting open. Uh, Myers, Harry, you know, even Ben Watson, who is he's he's definitely older and he and he wasn't what he was. They had trouble getting open, and you know the O line was not as good this year. We had some setbacks with Cannon. Um, Shaq Mason wasn't as good this year. Tooney was really the stout, and obviously your center and Andrews went down earlier in the year. So, um. Did they have enough? Yes, the injuries hurt, and also Brady not working with them in tandem. the The offense did not look great, um, and obviously your defense was super overrated. But uh, I I am excited to see what it looks like this year, because if you have a guy in Stidham or Hoyer that's going to work with these guys, and you know you you add the the uh, tight ends in, you know they had a couple tight ends last year that were hurt. Devlin was hurt. Um, you forget how many interviews they had. So I think, so will the offense be better this year? Probably. And I think it'll look better just mainly because you're going to have the guys putting in the work. Um, and Brady wasn't willing to do that as much, which that's on him. I mean, he was checked out kind of in a way. So it's just one of those things that 
I don't necessarily think that it's, uh, you know, the most stacked wide receiver group. I still think they need help. But uh, the, the, the biggest part of it was Brady not caring and those guys having trouble getting on the same page with what Brady wanted them to do. And they couldn't get open. It was very hard to get separation throughout the year. And you, you could just see it. And now the attitude of the quarterback reflected it when he's throwing his helmet on the sideline. That does freaking nothing uh, to help the young guys along. So we'll see what it looks like this year. I, I have a feeling it'll look much better just based on guys working together, guys wanting to be there. And, you know, you'll have two quarterbacks that, you know, they, they want to prove something that, uh, to themselves and also the team as well. So whether it's Hoyer or Stidham, both are going to go out there and and work with these guys, get them on the same page, and hopefully go out and, you know, they're going to try to win every game. So I think it'll look better this year, and then you add in the tight end as well. Yeah, I, I think, you know, normally we feel like Brady is is in making guys better. I, who did he make better last year? Normally, you know, even if it starts out ugly, like 2006, the offense, ugh, yuck. I mean, you had Troy Brown, you still had Kevin Falk, um, you had, you know, Corey Dillon was a dinosaur at that point. Um, Lawrence Maroney was like probably one of his best years. It was his, was his rookie year. Um, but then at the wide receiver group, you know, you had Ben Watson and David Graham uh, or Daniel Graham, which they were solid. Um, but wide receivers, Troy Brown, old reliable. And then it's Rishay Caldwell, Doug Gabriel, Chad Jackson, and Jabbar Gaffney was a guy that kind of was like an afterthought in training camp who just by the end of the year was like one of Brady's most reliable targets. And he was like one of the one holdovers that they kept, you know, going into 2007. Um, you know, he became that like third guy. Um, you know, you always you want a deep guy. You want a guy to move the chains. Then you need that guy who can run like the 15-yard the route, you know, on an in-cut against safeties. You know, the, the intermediate guy. It's always... Chris Hogan or Brandon LaFell or David Patton, you know, that kind of guy. Um, and that's what he became. And as the year went on, you could see Brady, you know, the guys that he liked, he 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 took these guys who were like crap and, and made them into something, you know, good enough to score 31 points <laughs> uh, or 34 points uh, against, the, uh, against the Colts in the AFC Championship game. This year's Patriots offense didn't improve whatsoever probably like you said i think probably because he just didn't care to make it improve he didn't want to put in that work to make it better because probably in the back of his mind he's like meh well we're not good enough to win a super bowl i'm gonna work my ass off i'm out of here anyways you know so you know if it works it works if it doesn't meh. you know he'll never say that um openly and we'll never know uh that a hundred percent but that's just that's just what it looks like. Um, so that's uh, that's our Tom Brady rant for the week. It's our weekly Tom Brady rant. Like, like I said, a lot of lot of rants this week. This one I don't think will be so much as a rant as I think uh, uh, a spirited argument, Christian. Um, Paul Pierce last week released who he sees as his top five NBA all-time list. And it goes as such. Michael Jordan, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Bill Russell, Magic Johnson, Kobe Bryant. No LeBron James. That's where that's where everybody is is getting all up in arms. I also give Pierce credit for putting three Lakers on there. Um, 
maybe it helps that he's you know even though he's he's a Boston guy now he grew up he grew up a Lakers fan, um, but he didn't grow up a fan he he wasn't a he wasn't a Kobe fan but he was a he was a Kareem and Magic fan for sure, growing up, so Jordan Kareem Russell Magic Kobe, in my opinion, LeBron James, not top five all time. Currently, currently, his career is not over. He still has room room to grow. Um, my argument is right now, out of that top five, who do you take out and, you know, to put LeBron in? If you want to put him in right now, the only argument is if you say we don't include centers. Any of the centers from, like, the 60s and 70s, we have to automatically, you know, take them out. Um, so that removes the the Wilts and the Russells and the Kareems uh, of the world from the argument. If you want to just go, you know, forwards and point guards, then fine. LeBron is top five all time. But if you want to include all time, all players, tell me who you take out of that group. Who is he ahead of on that group? Go ahead. Try Come at Try and argue with me. Change my mind. Uh, any of them. I would say... Uh... <laughs> I'm just kidding. I would say Jordan and Kobe are in the top five. Magic, to me, is probably right behind Jordan, in my opinion. And then I would probably go, just based on titles, I would say Kobe is ahead of him as well. So LeBron's probably like four or five right now, um, and he still has a lot left. But, I mean, in my opinion, the way I, I look at it is, in my opinion, you have to separate the centers from from the grouping because okay. it's just like so that that's where your argument is. So why 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 take out a yeah, whole? Because it's, it's, because it's like you're gonna put five centers in the top five. Then it's just like I got the, two. The way it was is those guys. That's Paul Pierce. It's not yours. Okay, and I agree I with that say, top five. That's my top five too. <laughs> well, okay, but I would say. Uh, LeBron James overall for everything he's done in the league. If he were to, if he was retired today, he would be in the top five. There's no, no doubt in my mind. No, no shot, no shot. I don't. I, I just he's six. He's in, he is six he's, right he's, now. He is six. If he can win another ring, you know, and 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 be four and five <laughs> in, in NBA Finals, um, you know, I I I think that 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 helps push him. Maybe that that brings him past magic, because um, because I think I think it's the I have these same five, but I order them differently. I go Jordan, Kareem, Russell, Kobe, Magic. So in my mind, LeBron is chasing Magic, um, and I just I think he needs to win another one, but the the. His career's not over. It's like it's not like, in my opinion, it's it's not like I think LeBron will finish top five all time if he plays another four years. Um, you know he you know he has a chance to be the all time leading scorer in the league. Um, you know maybe he wins another championship or two, but currently right now, you know if 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 you compared them, you know with each one each guy, Jordan or LeBron. Jordan, Jordan or Kobe? I mean, uh, Kobe, Kobe or LeBron? I'm taking Kobe. Kobe and Kareem, Kareem. I oh, saw. I keep saying Jordan. Kareem and LeBron. Kareem. 
Bill Russell, LeBron. Russell won 11 championships. I know people are going to say, it was at a time when there weren't as many teams. That was just how it was. LeBron, to my knowledge, is also, has he won a defensive player of the year? I don't think so. You know? No, but he's very good on defense. He, like you can't say he's not good defensively. Eh, he gets away with a he, ton. Okay, but he he yeah, gets he he, he he doesn't. He does, but he, he, the refs he, the the refs out, the refs but... don't just swallow the whistle. They poop out the whistle later that night from not blowing it. Uh, you know when uh when LeBron's on the floor. So that's all the stars in the NBA, though. Come on, like let's be fair but, about but, it. But that's that's. That's now. I'm. I'm just saying. I think some of that gets, gets. I hold some of that against LeBron. Um, I'm also you know probably Michael Jordan got calls in his era. Oh, he got calls. He got. They, yeah, like come on. He 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 got calls. I, That's the freaking NBA. The NBA is a joke league right. in terms of refs. I'm not putting him. Russell is in the top five. Bill Russell is like the greatest winner, teammate, everything you could possibly ever want. It's down to. Magic Johnson, LeBron James. That's the comparable. That's the guy he's closest to right now. You know, he was Magic wasn't perfect in NBA finals. Um, you know, he was he was a very versatile player. I think he's the closest comp. Magic was a scorer, but also a passer. He was a good defensive player, not great. He could rebound. Magic could do it could could do it all. Magic when Magic won their his first championship, he played center. <laughs> he had to play center against, I think it was against Philadelphia. So, you know, that's LeBron. When LeBron was on the Heat, I remember there was a great Sports Illustrated cover that showed LeBron, like, playing all five positions, you know. And that's really who he is. He's probably the most versatile basketball player of all time. I'll give him that, you know. His ability to pass, his ability to shoot, his ability to post up, his ability to play defense, to rebound, to get steals, you know, everything. His versatility is unreal. Nobody nobody has ever been as skilled and as athletic as he is to be able to play every position on the floor and to play offense and defense. I'll, I'll give him that. But as far as ac- basketball accomplishments, right, you know, if we just want to look at it as like, pure, like I'm saying, like pure talent player, you know, maybe he is the best of all time, but as far as NBA accomplishments, um, his closest comp right now is Magic, his game, that's who he's closest to, you know, look at the mad, the triple doubles that Magic Johnson had, um, that's kind of where LeBron's comp is, you know, all these, whenever we'd see like LeBron set a new playoff, you know, a new finals record with this for this nobody has scored this many points with this many rebounds and this many assists and this many steals. Well, who's the guy whose record he just took? Oh, Magic Johnson. Like, that's the guy who he's fighting against. I think if he gets one more ring, he surpasses Magic for that for that fifth spot. Um, but he's not there yet. I'm not saying he won't be. Just saying he's not there yet. My biggest gripe with this whole thing, though, is because Paul Pierce and he's my favorite Celtic of all time. Love Paul Pierce. He and that whole 08 team, they have this thing for LeBron, and that's why he's not in for him. I guarantee you that's what it is. And that's kind of the problem that I have is I feel like you're just you're just saying to not have him in your top five just to not have him in your top five because you don't like him. Even though those two, if you go back and watch some of the highlights between LeBron and Paul in those years, those peak years, were awesome. Those battles were great between the two of them. And 
I don't know. That that's just my problem with it. And I I 100% put LeBron in the top five. And when he retires, he'll definitely be in the top five. Um, I I don't know. I think he is uh, an insanely freakish athlete. And look, I'm a LeBron fan. I'm not a huge proponent of LeBron James, but I think uh, in terms of basketball players, he's for sure going to be in the top five. So. If it was just based off of if the top five players of all time was just based off of how they were as an athlete, is Jeff Green a top five uh, NBA player in all time in your opinion? Well, it's not just athlete. He's three in scoring. He's he, he passes. He can shoot the three. He can drive and slam over anyone's head. He's insane, and he does pretty much everything. So it's not just that he's a freakish athlete, but that ties into. Uh, he can do pretty much everything on a basketball court. Yeah, I. We agree on that. I just think, and and you may you could look at you know if you want to gripe with Paul Pierce um, about you know his reasoning, I think that's valid. Um, I still like the list, and you you know, hey, I never got to play LeBron James, so I got no sour grapes. <laughs> I want I want to see you call up Kendrick Perkins and tell him LeBron James is not top five. I want to see that. All right. I mean, I'll, I'll hit him up on Twitter after this if you want. Yeah, let him know. I'll make sure to – I'll CC you in that tweet. Um, so I want to see him pick you up and spin you around until you say he's top five. Perk uh, <laughs> would pop my head off um, <laughs> like it was like he was opening up a can of soda. Um, yeah, I just I just think he's he's right there. He's right up against, against Magic. Um, just because the other guys have things going for them that he can't – possibly touch yet kareem's got the all-time scoring record jordan six rings kobe five rings uh, bill russell 11 rings and then all of the defensive stuff that he did um you know it's, it's a shame we they didn't track blocks back then um because him and him and will like who knows like what, what the they didn't even track rebounds at one point um like who knows what the numbers would look like for for will chamberlain and, and bill russell um, they they're both Those numbers were being inflated. They they're both they're both alleged to have like w- at different points blocked up to forty shots in a game. Like that's insane. Yeah, they, were, they were stuffing guys through the rim that were like five eleven white guys from Milwaukee. Like I mean, it's a totally different era. It's, it's a it's a block. A block is a block, is it not? It is a block. So, so then let's yeah. let's go back and take away any you know any any time LeBron blocked a guy shorter than him who was white, we'll 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 take it away. <laughs> uh, it's a different era, that's all. Yeah, you know? you know, or you know, hey, all the all the times you know that LeBron scored on a shorter guy, because honestly, you know what, that was a mismatch. You know, those those points don't count. Anybody who scored on somebody shorter than them in the NBA, it doesn't count. You know, actually, you know what? Take away all of Kareem's points. None of them are valid. I agree. I agree. He's out of the top five. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Darn it. <laughs> now we agree. <laughs> oh, that was good. That was perfect. Now I'm happy. Um, we are going to transition uh, into our top five um, for this week. Um, I know we just talked about Paul Pierce's top five of all time. Each week we do our own. We, we started, uh, since the coronavirus began and we were like, Oh crud, we have a sports show. What are we going to talk about? 
Um, we we wanted we wanted to have some stuff that was fun for people to jump in on, um, to to get engaged, uh, and and you guys have. Uh, you gave us a whole bunch of top fives uh, ideas, uh, and and each week we've been putting out polls on Instagram and Twitter, and we combine, uh, we merge the polls results, and uh, we 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 pick out a uh, uh, a top five category. Um, so if you have top five categories, you can still send those in. We're going to start needing some more to add to the polls. Um, but this week's was favorite teams that didn't win a title. So your top five favorite teams to not win a sports title in that season. Um, I I think there's going to be a lot of good debate back and forth in this. Uh, if you want to email the show um, with your top five, if you're listening right now, it's the360sportshow at gmail.com, or you can hit us up through our social media at 360sportshow. Uh, if you're listening live on Facebook Live, you can drop uh, you can drop on the comment section um, anytime. Uh, if you're listening to this as a podcast, you can always email the show or contact us throughout the week. And anything we get from you, uh, we read on Sunday. So we just let those all kind of back up, and then we, we get to it on Sunday. Um, we got a lot of reaction out of this one, and uh, we actually have, I'm going to try and effort this right now, uh, friend of the show. Uh, some of you may remember that... Uh, a couple of weeks ago, we talked to um, Old Dozo from Doze on Life about eating 43 McDonald's hamburgers. Well, he wanted to jump in on this argument. And, uh, you know, last time, all, all we talked about was him, you know, basically torturing his body with food uh, and not as much sports. So uh, I figured we'd, we'd throw him the bone, so to speak, here because uh, he, he, was, he was fired up about this topic. And we're going to try, let's see if I can get him on this call right now. This is all happening live. So we're going to try and and dial him in right now if we can. And uh, while he's trying to get on, we will go to, aha, Doze, are you there? Yeah, let me X out of you guys on Facebook real quick so the sound's not all screwed up. Oh, yeah, we, we, we do not want to open up a hole in the universe. Um, all right, we're good now. So, uh, Christian, you still there? I am here, yes. Ah, we are all here. So uh, let me get this uh, loaded up on the screen here uh, on our side, awesome. on the Facebook Live side. So, uh, uh, Doze, uh, welcome to the show once again, and uh, how you doing? I'm doing great, man. Thanks for having me. I'm I'm really happy you replied to my Instagram comment. I've been just doing the whole Corona thing, man, writing, making content. I had a new food challenge come out last week where I did this blind taste test with um, tuna fish, cat food, and, and chicken. Oh, no. Yeah, so that's on my IG right now if you if you need some, like, gross food content to hold you <laughs> over during COVID. We needed that yesterday when it was raining and we had nothing to do. <laughs> you know, yeah, uh, that, that's that's a good way to kill ten minutes. So, so, so next next time uh, next time there's a rainy day, I'll 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 go and, uh, and and check it. Oh, when I can't fall asleep tonight and I'm just you know having a case of existential dread, I'll go and relieve myself with uh, with whatever that is <laughs> supposed to be. <laughs> that's perfect. Um, but uh, good to hear that you're doing well. I'm actually kind of surprised you did uh, another food challenge because it sounded last time we talked to you that you might not ever eat food again. You know, um, the thing is to stay alive, you kind of have to. So I, I did have to eat again. But I'm just trying to 
do things a little more healthy and go into that space because ever since the burger thing, I was I've been like, all right, I gotta got it back. I can't talk. Got to get back on track. Like diet starts Monday. I'll do good for like three days, and then with the whole Corona thing, it's really hard to stay to that. So I'm like, if I can make some content with like trying healthier foods and try to make it funny, like it could pay dividends in the long. I've heard. Run. I mean, I've heard. I have heard. It's super good for your immune system. So. Well, well, it was more so. I'm just not a tuna fan, and it was kind of like um, a, a like a long running joke with one of my friends that it's like it's. It's basically cat food, and it was kind of to like debunk that myth, I guess. All right, that's respectable. All right, well, uh, Doze, you are you are here to talk about your top five favorite teams to not win a title, and uh, I'm going to put those for those watching on on Facebook. We're going to put those up on the screen right now. So these are Dozo's top five teams to not win a title. Uh, no real surprises. Ah, there's one surprise up there. Um, but not really too surprising for those that know you. Um, so how about you go ahead and uh, and you walk us through your your top five here. These are sports teams to not win a title. For sure. Well, so with the way that the question is posed, it's kind of subjective. So your favorite is like you can't really say like, well, that's my favorite. Like these are my personal favorite five teams. There's definitely teams that are better that haven't won a championship, although I do think a couple of these were all-time greats. Well, really – We'll start with the 07 Patriots one play away at any point in the fourth quarter from being 19 and 0, whether it's the Asante drop or if they called in the grasp on the David Tyree play, like they would have in 2020 football, we'd be in a whole different thing. Or if they figured out, maybe don't have Ellis Hobbs on Plaxico verse where there's like a 10 inch height difference, but that's for another day. And when he's got a torn groin. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. Like that was, I mean, we went to high school together. That was my sophomore year of high school. And during the heart of that, like 07 Boston sports, like first wave of dominance with like the Red Sox winning the world series. And then the Celtics winning the championship, like at the end of the year, that Patriots team was the best of all three. And I mean, we all know how great it was 16 and 0 and the talk of being the best team of all time. And even now with like the all NFL 100 stuff, they're still considered like a top seven team of all time. And it really stinks that they had to blow it, but in a way it kind of almost adds to like the allure of sports culture and like history where the anything can happen in that Giants team that was awful and their whole story. So over time, it's definitely been easier to handle. But if I think about it for like five minutes. Yeah, no, no, no. Time, to move, time, to, move really time to move on. Time to move on. Time to move on. Move on. Move on. Move on. Exactly. So then we move on to the 2011 Patriots, which – in a lot of ways, obviously, the defense that year was really shaky, and they figured it out going into the playoffs. I think they finished, like, 29th or 31st in yards. But that offense, offense in Patriots history, when you have Wes Welker with his best year, where he had 1,600 yards, the 99-yard catch on Monday Night Football, obviously, Gronk and Hernandez, like, that was unbelievable what they were doing together. Gronk, they were I still killing think in 2011. <laughs> That 2011 is still the greatest tight end season of all time, even though Kittle might have had, like, a few more yards at one point. Like, he had 17 touchdowns and then one that was technically a run on, like, this pitch play against the Colts in a game that they almost lost where they had a huge lead and only ended up winning by seven. And with Hernandez, I think he had, like, 900 yards. You had um, Deion Branch coming back his second year after his time in Seattle. I think he had, like, close to 800. Danny Woodhead the law firm, like that team was so much fun. Vince Wolfork had a couple interceptions on defense that their playoff run was awesome with the, the Broncos game where that was just like 
people forget the Patriots hadn't won a playoff game since the 07 AFC championship game. And going into that game, there was like a lot of talk if they're going to, are they going to do this again? Cause the year before they lost to the jets and we forget it now in a vacuum, how successful the Patriots have been, but there was a little three-year time where people were like, can they win the playoffs? Which <laughs> yeah. is kind of crazy to think about. And, and Brady just like put that to rest with six touchdowns. Gronk had three. And then of course the Billy Cundiff game, the next week, that's like one of my favorite Patriots playoff games of all time. The back and forth roller coaster. Like it was really an ugly game, but a wicked fun game. Two awesome Pats teams. Yeah. Well, and then, the th- hold on. Quick point about that that eleven Patriots team is, uh, you know, oh, you, for you, sure. you you look back and you see that you know uh, Julian Edelman played defense that year, um, and then also that oh, yeah, he some corner in the playoffs and in, in the Super Bowl. This is like. When you kind of like when you can look back and say like what was the Achilles heel? Uh, your cornerbacks were Sterling Moore, Antoine Molden, and oh. Julian Edelman. Mm, that's probably what held that team back. <laughs> well, they had Kyle Arrington was on that team too, and he like led the league in picks, but he was still pretty young. They were lucky picks. And they were all the like they were all like deflected. Also... They were all like deflected picks that fell into his arms. wasn't good that, coverage. That was the that was um, McCourty's second year. And he was so awesome as a corner his rookie year. And then he really struggled in 2011. That's when they started to think about moving him to safety, but he was still playing a lot of corner and he really struggled that year. But like Mayo was a beast. Their, their DNs both had 10 sacks too. Uh, Mark Anderson and I'm forgetting the Andre, Andre Carter. Andre Carter, Carter got hurt. Who got hurt? That hurt that defense a lot. He got hurt against the Raiders, I believe. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Torres quad. That, that team was awesome. So do you want me to just go my five? We're not going to go, like, back and forth? Like, I'll just keep rapid fire right Yeah, yeah, now. yeah. No, yeah, rapid fire through your five because there's some overlap here, so I think it'll be good to, to have discussion about them. So go through your – just finish up your five. Okay, totally. For sure. So – and I – I it was hard to pick five here because – but this Celtics team, I think, if you're going to pick a Celtics team, the 2010 Celtics that lost game seven to the Lakers, I heard you guys – I was listening to the show before I hopped on – There was a lot of Paul Pierce slander on Twitter this week and kind of the last, I'd say, five years because of how he's not a LeBron guy. I wrote about that on Doze on Life. You can read that on Doze on Life from this week. But if they hold on in Game 7 with that 13-point lead, I think NBA history is changed drastically with that. Oh, the way that Celtics core is looked at if they have two rings and they beat the Lakers twice with Game 7 being in L.A. And that was just such a fun team when you had – Nate Robinson coming on with the whole him and big baby with the Shrek and donkey stuff in the playoffs and ending LeBron's time in Cleveland. Cause people forget they were the four seed. They only won 50 games that season. And it kind of felt like it could have been the beginning of the end with a lot of injuries they dealt with, but they were able to figure out for the playoffs and really end LeBron's first time in Cleveland with that second round win. Awesome. Awesome team. So fun. It stinks that they blew it in game seven after Perk got hurt in game six and they just couldn't secure the rebounds and all the second chance poisons. And I can still remember Ron Artest hitting that three killing me. I was, I watched that in the URI dorms for my orientation with like a thousand people on a little 32 inch like box TV. I'll never forget it. And it was heartbreaking. And then of course my favorite team to never win a championship that is not Boston related, even though many may say they were never truly a title contender, the 2011 Denver Broncos with my man Tim Tebow. What he did to lead a one and four team to a respectable eight and eight record at one point eight and five. So he had a nice 
six-game winning streak after the blowout to the Lions. That team was just so much fun and kept finding ways to win every week, proving the haters wrong, whether it be Tim Tebow winning a game with two completions or having three going into the fourth quarter and no timeouts and it seems impossible, but Marion Barber goes out of bounds. And then, of course, the playoff game against against the Steelers after that three-game winning losing streak when it felt like they really couldn't – they were dead. That one last Tebow magic moment. And then, of course, that ties into the 2011 Patriots because – they ended their season and that 2011 year really annoys me because the giants ended up winning the super bowl at nine and seven yeah when you had a 15 to one packers team like three 13 and three teams and don't get me wrong like the giants they were better than their record would show with the talent they had but like nine and seven nine and seven and the fact that that's the year that a nine and seven team wins the super bowl when there were so many other great teams i almost included the 2011 49ers on one of my teams that with al smith that was such a fun team. And lastly, the 2016 Boston Red Sox. That was one of my favorite teams to never win a title, even though they did get swept playoffs before the wheels fell off. They won like 11 games in a row in September. And then they had a walk-off loss to the Yankees and gave up a walk-off grand slam to Mark Teixeira, but they still somehow clinched the division. And they celebrated like they won and – after that, they pretty much like lost out to end the season, and they lost on Big Poppy's last game. I was at that game. I followed that whole season. Like I went to five Red Sox games. I went to see him in New York. Like I was such a huge David Ortiz guy. And after how bad they were in fourteen and fifteen to bounce back that year, Rick Porcello winning the Cy Young, David Price, he was shaky at times, but he finished with a sub four ERA, just barely with a three ninety nine. They were. Such a fun team. Mookie breaking onto the scene that year. He should have been MVP. That was an awesome team. And in the playoffs, like, it ended so quickly. But people forget that game one where I think it was either Brock Holt or Hanley Ramirez got thrown out at home to, like, end the first inning. And they had a nice – I think they scored one or two. Kind of like the wheels fell off. And in that first round in baseball, it can be over before you know it. And that great, fun Red Sox team will just be remembered as another one that got swept. But a lot of fun that year. Yeah, and, and unfortunate for for for, Pop, for Poppy to go out that way. Um, I think neither of us had um, Red Sox in, in ours. Um, let's uh, we'll pull up these. Uh, so you're looking right now at Dozo's uh, top five favorite sports teams to never win a title. And like you said, the uh, the favorite in there kind of gives the subjectiveness to this because it, Hello. it there's Hello? there we go, Christian. Oh, okay. there you are. Sorry. Um, there's 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 a little bit of like you know where do you draw the line? Do you say because it's not just the best teams to never win a title? It's your favorite. Are favorites ones that you watched and lived through? Is it ones that you've learned about and that you know about? You know, there's some teams. Uh, I know I spoke to you, Doze. You know, during the week. You know, there's the '78 Patriots. You know, who run, the '70s teams of the Patriots. You know, just until this year, held the record for most rushing yards in a year. It was like three over three thousand yards, a record that like we thought would never, ever, ever be broken until you know Lamar Jackson and the Ravens happened this year. But you know, those are like you know, you look back and you learn about some history of some teams. It's like, oh, that that was such a great team. Um, so you could maybe have that as a favorite. Um, and it doesn't always have to be like a team that makes the finals or a Super Bowl or something. So. Um, before we do mine and Christian's, I do want to read. We did have some write-ins. Um, Colin wrote in, uh, and and this kind of ties into my idea that it 
doesn't always have to be ones that win a championship or that you were even alive for. So he starts with the 72-73 Celtics, uh, the 2015-16 Warriors, the 04 men's basketball team, uh, the 98 Vikings, makes me sad because Moss never got one, he says in parentheses, and then he said number one is the O S S S seven Patriots, um, which for anybody in New England I think is definitely going to be on this list, um, except for Christian, uh, and we'll 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 discuss that. Oh, another write in. Jake says uh, the Michigan Fab Five and the O five USC Trojans. So, like I said, it's kind of always up to interpretation here. Um, so, Christian, I'll let I'll let you start. Um, there, there is some overlap between all three of us, um, but Christian, you 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 start first with your uh, with your top five there. Sure, yeah. Uh, Bruins uh, last year, nineteen Bruins, and I mean tie that in with the thirteen Bruins after that Maple Leaf series. But either way, you know, uh, last year I thought, man, that team had a really good shot. This was really the last chance for the core. It turns out it's not. But for like Bergeron, Chara, these guys, I think that was really – it was a good shot last year to really – they had a nice road to the finals, and they came up just short. And, man, in game seven you had – they were just pounding the hell out of uh, the Blues, and they couldn't get one. And then, you know, two shots and a goal, three, four shots and two goals for the Blues in, in the first period. And – that was pretty much all she wrote. Um, so that was a heartbreaker, and we'll see what happens this year. But the Bruins, for me, are, you know, top of my list. Uh, then I went uh, 10 Celtics. That team, obviously, I feel like that that core of, of Celtics, they should have gotten one more at least. And uh, that was a, that was one of the toughest, uh, toughest losses I've experienced, you know, along with the 07 Patriots, which is not on my list. Uh, then I went to the 11 Patriots. And here's why I didn't put 07. That 07 uh, year was not that enjoyable for me. <laughs> um, the the Super Bowl the Super Bowl was rough, and also the last game of the season against the Giants, and even the 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 build up to those games, uh, it was enjoyable, but not because you could tell. You know, you know, rumor has it though that that locker room for the 07 Patriots, the room was tight. They were nervous. They felt the pressure, and it was a game where, you know, the Giants had almost beat you. They're, they're kind of rolling with that 9-7 record, and and uh, here you go. They match up well against you with their front. And uh, it just sucked, so I didn't put it on my list. And the reason I put the 11 Patriots is because that was your chance at kind of like a redemption against the Giants, and I really think you should have had that game if Welker doesn't drop that ball. 100%. And uh, – that that was one that uh, that hurts a little uh, more. You know, the undefeated season would have been amazing, and had they completed it, it would have been great. But because they lost, it made that 11 season more heartbreaking that they couldn't come away with that win because they had a chance at it, uh, and it kind of would have redeemed everything. You know, it's not undefeated, but still, you know, you come back and and they're going to get the Giants this time. They're they're ready to go. They have a great offense, and then. Welker drops that ball, and that was uh, that made it even tougher because we lost uh, to the Giants before. Um, and then uh, a team that I didn't really uh, watch too much because I was like you know four years old, but <laughs> the early Jazz teams of my life was uh, you know Carl Malone, 
Hornacek and John Stockton. And, you know, around like 97, 98, those were my first years of watching these teams. And the Jazz were always at the top of my list with all these guys. And I loved all three of those guys. Um, and that 96, 97 team, they came up short, of course. Um, but uh, those guys, I loved watching those teams back in the early 90s and or late 90s and early 2000s. Even there was some trickle over. And lastly, I finished with the pre-Kevin Durant uh, Warriors because they uh, that team was fun to, to watch. Um, and also, they were against the Cavs that year. And, you know, if, if the uh, the Warriors can just close out that series, uh, we never have to hear from Kyrie Irving, which would have been great. <laughs> um, so, I, you know, I, and, and also Steph Curry is one of my favorite players outside of the Boston area just because uh, of – you know what he's become. I mean, he's he's an all caliber NBA player. He kind of changed the the mold of the game in this this way that you can shoot the three from anywhere and and twos are kind of going by the wayside. And uh, that team was it was fun to watch pre Kevin Durant and then uh, Kevin Durant had to go f it all up. So, well, by rights, That's Christian, right. by all rights, that Warriors team actually shouldn't have even been in the finals because they they were, they were down three one to Kevin Durant and the Thunder. And if they just stuck with their offense and fed Stephen yep. Adams, who the Warriors could not guard, the Thunder win that series. Instead, Westbrook and Durant just wanted to go ISO all the time. And once they'd get a lead, and they would piss the lead away and lose the game. So um, that Warriors team. Imagine that, right? You you, go you ahead. lose to a team that's up on you three one, and then you go join them. Oh, yeah. what a baby. God, he's such a bitch. Yeah. No, that that was when the Warriors went from being, like, a great young team that was, like, homegrown, and then they just became a bunch of a-holes. <laughs> that's that's really the – that was the turning yeah, point. Yeah, pretty much. Um, and, yeah, honestly, and then, you know, Kyrie, you know, leaves Cleveland after that because he feels like he's the man. So, honestly, that, that game, that game seven was a turning point for a lot of uh, NBA uh, douchiness. <laughs> um, exactly, yes. Yes. So uh, I'm going to go with mine now. And, and I, I, I approached this, you know, I thought, should I go with some teams from the past that obviously I wasn't alive for? Should I go with, game, you know, teams and games that, like, broke my heart? Should I should I go with, you know, wh- where should I go? And I kind of did a little bit of both. Um, you know, there's – I started uh, – an honorable mention I threw out, I, I ended up taking it off. Um. But I had the 2008 Cardinals on my list originally because that was the year Tom Brady went down. Yeah, I had Tom Brady went down, and that Patriots, that oh wait, Patriots team too. I've said a lot, so I'm looking forward to this year. It honestly was fun, you know. Like you didn't know if you were going to win every single week. You didn't know like, oh, is Matt Castle? How's he going to play this week? Is he, you know, because he showed signs of developing, you know. So it wasn't like you knew it was just going to be like a crap show. And back-to-back 400-yard games. Yeah, so it was a it was a ride. It was it was fun to be the underdog again um, for a little bit. Um, and so that 08 Cardinals team, outside of uh, like a New England sports like championship lot, like if a team loses in the playoffs, it happens. I understand like a team's not always going to win. When they make a championship round, now it's like oh god, if they don't win, it's going to be heartbreaking. Um, and that year, I I rooted so hard for the Cardinals. They were like my second favorite team that year. And so when the Patriots didn't get into the playoffs and the Cardinals did um, at nine and seven, uh, you know, I was I was rooting for them the the whole way. And then 
I'm a big fan of Larry Fitzgerald. So them not, you know, him, like, the way that Super Bowl went down, if Entrell Roll gets back on the sidelines and lets Larry Fitzgerald tackle James Harrison short of the goal line, you know, maybe the Cardinals still, you know, they wind up winning that game but uh, against the Steelers. But anyway, they were initially in here, and I took them off. Uh, and I went, I started with the 2016-2017 Boston Celtics, um, who obviously did not make the NBA Finals. Uh, they lost in five games to the Cleveland Cavaliers in the Eastern Conference Final. But, oh, my God, this team was so much fun. This was peak Isaiah Thomas, you know, MVP, king of the fourth. As a as a uh, shorter man myself, to watch this 5'8 guy average 30 <laughs> points in the NBA, and he's just unstoppable. Like, it makes no – it's, like, unbelievable to watch. You know, and it's not just that he's hitting – like, it's not like he's doing – pulling Steph Curry, Jimmer Fredette stuff where he's shooting from 40 feet away. Like, can't guard me out here. He's going into the paint. He's drawing contact. He's scoring on seven footers. You know, he's challenging guys. You know, up at the rim. It was it, it was unbelievable. It was so much fun. That team had so much heart, so much fight. Um, you know, they had it was. You still had him and Avery Bradley, the Tacoma boys in the backfield. Jay Crowder, uh, Evan Turner was unbelievable that year. Um, that that team was just so much fun. Uh, they had so much fight. They didn't have the talent to win a championship, but they were they were good enough to compete against anybody. That team, uh, that like the Celtics team of recent memory is the only team in the last five years to have a winning record in the Warriors building. They were That was like kind of the matchup people always kept thinking was going to come out of the East because the Celtics just played such great defense. They thought if they ever could get out of the East, they were the team that could, you know, that could give the Warriors some fits. Um, because of the way they defended, um, that team was just so much fun. Obviously, they came up short. I, they came up short, but it, that was a, such a fun team to watch. I don't know if you guys have any thoughts on them. I think that next year, when the Celtics lost in seven, they had a little. I don't think they would have beaten the Warriors, but I think they had a better chance to have a competitive series than that swept Cavs team because of what exactly you just said. Like they found a way to play the Warriors tough. I'm pretty sure that they beat them the year that they went, like, when they only lost nine games, and they beat them in yeah, that, that, Golden State. Yeah, the 2015-16 like, Celtics beat the Warriors in, in Oracle. It snapped the longest home winning streak in NBA history. Um, That's what it was. I remember watching that. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so uh, next next up, I went with the 2013 Bruins because um, – you know, last year was heartbreaking for the Bruins, and there's going to be heartbreaks anytime you're a sports fan because, like, your team never wins every single year. 2013, I kind of ranked above 2019 because even though the result was the same, um, that 2013 team, it was kind of like it was paired closer to winning in 2011. It was going to be like two championships in three years. Is this the beginning of a dynasty? The way they were down, the the, the game seven against the 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 Maple Leafs, like, once they won that, I was like, if this team could win, I mean, and that comeback is still historic, but if they could win the Stanley Cup, like, this playoff run is going to have been unreal. Um, the emergence of Tory Krug and, and Brad Marchand even more that in, in, in that playoffs. Like, if, if you remember, like, they beat the Rangers in five games. Tory Krug scored, like, six goals. <laughs> like, it was, who the hell is Tory Krug? You know, for people who, didn't, who weren't P. Bruins fans, you know, nobody knew who Tory Krug was. Um, 
and obviously it's heartbreaking. They they lose to the to the Blackhawks in, in in six games at home again. Like a you know, I know Christian likes to say poopa rask moment. Um, yep. But that 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 He's that that one really hurt. And because of that year, that would have been a championship right on the heels of the marathon bombing. And it it would for what it would have meant to Boston at that exact moment um, is why I put it at the top of like my Bruins um uh see, losing seasons um all three of us had the 2010 uh Celtics and i kind of agree with all all the same things you know that of what it would have meant to that group of Celtics um that year as a whole was an up and down year people forget like like you said uh you know does that was a that was a a four seed they you know outstaged the the Cavs they basically forced lebron out of cleveland they come together late in the season. They kind of muddled their way. They were up and down the whole regular season. But when you looked at that team, that was such a veteran group. Once they got into the playoffs and got rolling, and I remember a couple of weeks ago they played that Game 7 on the TV. They were rerunning it. And I watched only the first half because nothing good happened after the second half for the Celtics. And that both those teams were so stacked. Like, if you had any doubt about who the best two teams in the league were that year, like, in reality, you watch those two teams. The way they both played defense, the way they executed offensively. Um, but that Celtics team, you know, you had your starting five. Rondo was really emerging. Uh, he was coming off a phenomenal playoff year the year before. Rondo was emerging as, like, that next guy, as a superstar point guard, along with Pierce and, uh, and Ray Allen and KG. Perk, that's your starting five. Your bench unit, Nate Robinson, Tony Allen, Rashid Wallace, big baby. Um, you even had old man Michael Finley in there as like a three-point threat. Like that team was loaded, um, and and so much fun to watch. And it honestly was the turning point in the NBA. Like that year is when everything really changed. LeBron goes to Miami. All the super team fad really starts to begin. Not just with guys like, hey, let's trade and assemble a team. It's the free agents start to really control the landscape of the league. Um, that year was the last year of this last year the Celtics made the NBA Finals, and it was really kind of like the changing of an era in, in NBA basketball. Um, and it it was such a heartbreaking oh, sure. it was such a heartbreaking loss for me because at the time there was talk that Doc might retire. Uh, Ray Allen didn't know he was going to be a free agent. He didn't know if he was coming back. KG only had one year left. Was he done? Like, you didn't know what was going to happen to the team after that. Like, is this their last run? Like, is that it? Like, just like three years and that's it. So, um, at the time, especially in the immediate aftermath, it was it was a tough loss and one of my favorite Celtics teams to go back to that year. Uh, Antoine, I mean, uh, Tony Allen, absolutely yamming on Antoine Jameson in the conference semis that year is one of my favorite uh, Celtics clips of of all time to go back to um my next one uh is <laughs> i had like the, the 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 top two for me are kind of like one and one a um and initially i had i had forgot to include it um but that's only because i try to block it out of my mind as often as i can um and so i have to go with uh the 2017 2018 salvagina men's ice hockey team and so, for those of you that don't know, uh, that's uh, that's that's my day job. I work for Salva Regina. I'm I'm one of their 
I'm the, an assistant sports information director, and, and I broadcast all the games. Well, our 2018 men's hockey team uh, was a wagon. Uh, they went all the way to the Frozen Four in Lake Placid, double overtime of the national championship game. And obviously, because they're on this list, you know what happened. <laughs> they, they fell short in double overtime of a national title game. And uh, honestly, I mean, this is obviously out of all these. I mean, I was a fan of all these teams, right? But this one's different because I lived and breathed and worked. And when you cover a team like that, you're you're in close with them, especially on the road. You, it's, it's a much more personal experience to cover the games. And, you know, the Patriots lost the Super Bowl. Well, I wasn't with, you know, Tom Brady or somebody crying 10 minutes after the game. You know, that's it's a much different thing to go through when uh, when you really know the people who are going through going through the games. And so to, uh, it's just gut wrenching. <laughs> and because it's a hockey game, there's about a million moments you can go back to, especially a double overtime game. where It's like, oh, my God, if that puck just bounced that way or if that guy just passed to him or, you know, any any number of things. Uh so it's uh, it's tough to talk about, and uh, I think that's all I'm going to say. It's uh, I had to give I had to put it on here. I had to talk about it a little bit, and I'm going to move on to probably what I consider the loss of innocence, the loss of my sports innocence, because, uh, you know, for most of my life as a sports fan, like all my teams have done has win, and obviously in the last like ten years, it was like you understood like sometimes you win, sometimes you lose, and you understand when you lose. Well, I didn't really understand the losing in 2007 because the Patriots had won three out of four and then 06 was disappointing but like 07 is like in a different class like and I I almost didn't put it on here because of what Christian said you know for me is it a favorite team it was the one that hurt the most but like after like week 10 or 11 I honestly did not enjoy any part of the remainder of that season I was so stressed out and this is like 15-year-old me, so stressed out, I couldn't eat during the games, like, because it just, like, the, the pressure of what the team was trying to do was just, like, unreal, and it honestly wasn't fun, <laughs> you know, it was it was great, like, the minute they'd win a game, it was like, woo, that's awesome, and it's like, oh, God, we're 17-0 now, like, oh, crap, and then it's like, oh, we're 18-0, oh, okay, you know, what, what, you know, can, can we, one more game, please, God, can we just get through this last game? And that Super Bowl was just one of the most torturous experiences ever. And I could spend a day, and we could go down the rabbit hole of trying to figure out how and why and what went wrong. And I, I, I'll freely admit, that is the first time, like, I cried after, like, the ending of a sports game. You know, before, it's like, when you're a kid and they lose, like, I mean, I, I know kids do cry, but it was almost just like, you don't even, it, it wasn't as impactful I was, like, so upset. And I've been upset other, other times now afterwards, but I get more mad. I get angry now. I don't get sad because losing happens. I was so sad. I, that's, like, the first time I, like, openly, like, dropped the F-bomb in front of my parents and wasn't, like, wasn't like you know, punished for it <laughs> when the Tyree catch happened. Like, so that's why I call it the loss of my sports innocence. That's, that's what that, that game was. But – in retrospect, that team was just sick. I mean, throwing – Tom Brady could just throw the ball 100 yards into the air. It would come out of the sky, and Randy Moss would catch it with one hand. Or, hey, we'll dump it off to Dante Stallworth, and he'll juke out five guys and score a 60-yard touchdown. Like, that year was just 
unbelievable. It proved that if you gave Tom Brady weapons, he was more than a system quarterback. This guy could be Peyton Manning as well. Um, so that, that's why that's I had to ex- eventually put it up there. Yeah, yeah, go, go ahead. I'll, I will now let you guys have free reign over, over my top five if you have any thoughts or comments. I've, I've been waiting to say this for like 20 minutes when Christian said that the 07 Patriots were not enjoyable. And then what you just said, I think we have some serious revision of history because, again, that loss, Super Bowl loss, crushed me as well. And, of course, there was the pressure of going undefeated. And they definitely did slow down late in the season. There's no denying that. But to say that wasn't enjoyable to watch week after week, like there's so many awesome games that season. The Cowboys no. game when they're both undefeated and then they blow them out the you, Super Bowl 41 and a half. You miss you miss you miss her me. You miss her me. For for me for me it was after like week 12. Like the Ravens Monday night game was unbelievable and I remember like running that we have to stay under I would trade losing that Ravens game for winning the Super Bowl that year so that that team and Randy Moss are all validated and have a ring. Well, but yeah, after like the Steelers game after the Steelers game, the uh, the double flea flicker game, honestly, like once you got closer to the end, it was like, oh crap! Like they're gonna go sixteen and zero. Like that's when it started to become the games were a lot closer. The, the offense wasn't just running people over. Like you, I, I had this sick feeling in the bottom of my stomach that it wasn't gonna happen. Like it just, and that's why, like I'm saying, it wasn't enjoyable because I honestly I didn't watch the games with any sort of enjoyment from like week 13 on like it just it just was not it was not the same it was not the same as what you're saying which was the beginning of the year when you know we're playing the Dolphins and Brady just has to huck the ball down the field and Randy Moss catches it on three guys or you know we can throw yeah. three touchdowns in a game to Mike Vrabel because the Redskins don't know how to play defense like <laughs> there was way it was way different from like the last like three games of the regular season and then the postseason was a struggle. People forget they were down to the Jaguars at home. They almost they needed Dante Stallworth to lay out for a ball, not get touched, and then dive for a first down to beat the Jaguars in the divisional round. Brady threw four picks <laughs> against the Chargers, and luckily the defense was good enough in the red zone that day for us to win. Um, and then obviously the Super Bowl was what it was, a team that, it, it was like the opposite. It was the 0-1 Patriots against the Rams. This time, the Patriots were Goliath, and the Giants were David. And it was like, you could just see the writing on the wall of like where, what, what was coming. We, as Patriots fans, didn't want to acknowledge that, oh crap, the Giants are going to beat us. You know, we just felt like, we still felt like we're this invincible team. When honestly, the Giants were the hot team, and we were a team that was limping to the finish line from trying to be hot for a whole season, which is impossible. So that's why I said it, it was not enjoyable. It was enjoyable for most of it. The last part of it was just like total stress, anxiety, and and there was no payoff. <laughs> They'd win a game, and it was like, great. Like, we're still undefeated. Like, we have to win the next one, or it means nothing. Um, and, yeah, and that's how it felt afterwards. It was like, well, that meant nothing. Great. <laughs> um, that, that's oh, why, sure. that's I, why I said that. I just that. think... And then also, when you're talking about the 2010 Celtics, the second half of that game definitely was there was no good moments, but one minor glimpse of hope in the late fourth quarter. People forget Rondo hit a three, like in the corner, that gave them a glimmer of hope after Ron. Ar- I'm think I might get the timeline messed up, 
but it was like after the Ron Artest three, Rondo also hit a three that like gave him a fighting chance because that dude could not hit three. Oh and when yeah, that well, happened, you're like, oh my god. But the, the second the second half of that game was back and Do you forth. Know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The second half was was crazy. It was back and forth. Um, Ron Artest hitting threes was was dumb. I had the I had the four R's for the reason they lost that game. Ron Artest rebounds. Ray Allen, and then Rondo doing nothing in the second half, like, aside from, like, the at the very, very end. And, yeah, that was – back in that day, I remember watching that game, and it was like, Artest hit – I say it too, but I'm pretty sure Paul Pierce had a bad game. Yeah, Artest hit a three with, like, oh, yeah. over two minutes to go, and it was a six-point game. And I remember thinking, like, at the time, it was like, it's over. Nowadays, a six-point lead, and, like, with two minutes to go, it was like, that's nothing. But back then, the way, like, the, the scoring just wasn't the same, and that game was a, a throwback slugfest. Um, and so it was like, oh, it's over. And but the Celtics kept hitting threes to make it a, a one possession game again. Like Ray Allen hit one, Rasheed Wallace hit one off a crazy inbound play. Um, but then the Lakers just kept scoring. We either couldn't get a rebound. Pau Gasol went up and down. He 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 came up and down. They didn't call it, and then he scored a bucket. And it just kept being two possessions. And the play you're talking about, Ryan, is they ran a play for Ray Allen. It was a five point game, and. Ray misses the three. Rondo chases down the rebound into the far corner, just turns and throws yeah. it up, and it goes in. Two-point game. And so the Lakers are That's inbounding. What came immediately after that was that Rondo deflected the ball on the inbounds, nearly stole it, and it barely, barely misses Kobe Bryant's hand and goes out of bounds, and they say Laker ball. If that touches Kobe, it's Celtic ball, with no time on the shot clock in a two-point game. And you know what? As much as he struggled, either Ray Allen or Paul Pierce was hitting a three. And you know Doc would go for the win in that scenario, game seven on the road. Um, and, like, it was just like, buy a hair. Oh, yeah. um, and then, you know, obviously the Lakers end up making free throws and it's just time just runs out on you. Um, but, yeah, the last, like, that game was such a slog in the second half, but the last two minutes was, like, this crazy epic, like, we're going to lose. Oh, my God, there's hope. Oh, there's not. Oh, there is again. Um, yeah, I mean, not that nothing good happened. Yeah, when Ron Artis- nothing, nothing I wanted to relive happened. Ron- <laughs> yeah, that's that's one of the games I still haven't rewatched. Like I've rewatched the Patriots Super Bowl losses eventually, but that game seven against the Celtics is when you talk about a, a loss of innocence game. That literally was like the end of like my high school experience because that was the finals were going on while I was like graduating. And then I watched that game seven, like at my college orientation with like all of you or I, and it was crazy. There was like a straight up rally before the game and everyone was going around campus, like BLA, BLA. And I was like, Oh my God, college is going to be awesome. I can't wait. And that was like probably one of the best memories I had it. And they still lost. And it was just like, Oh my God, now, what a crazy night. Christian, I have an, I have, I have an idea now. Maybe and then for, we were talking maybe, to like, Christian, I have an idea for the show. Maybe, Maybe we what we do is we we rewatch uh, these games. I don't know if you've rewatched any of the Super Bowls, but I feel like this would require like uh, uh, maybe a little bit of inebriation. But we 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 sit through and we gut our way through um, our our toughest sports losses. Maybe there could be some catharsis there. Is that something? Anything that you think is possible that you could be open to? It depends on if I want to like age myself any more than I already have. <laughs> At practically so, bald because of that 07 team. At some point, you have to relive. I've relived parts of that 07 Super Bowl. Like, I've watched, like, the final drive for the Patriots. Like, Tom Brady almost hit Randy Moss on third and 20. Like, he had him. 
but like Brady couldn't throw it 85 yards. He threw it 80 yards in the air. He couldn't throw it 85. They had a timeout in their pocket. I remember thinking like he ran like a triple move, like a corner post corner uh, fade. And if Brady could have hit him like an inch farther, Randy Moss catches a ball to the 10 yard line and we're kicking a chip shot field goal to go to overtime, which would have been bananas. Um, but I, I, I do, I have said at some point those, those need to be re all rewatched. So maybe, maybe, maybe we have to do that, Christian. Maybe, maybe, it, maybe it has to be done. Maybe it has to be done for you like a clockwork orange style, where you're like pinned to the chair with your eyes open, and so that you can you can learn from it. <laughs> I've seen some of the moments of it. I just uh, I haven't watched it all the way through, but yeah, we, I mean, uh, that's a tough one. I don't know. Yeah. So this list is is top five favorite teams now. For for you guys, would any teams be on here that aren't on here if you went with like top five like most painful sports losses? What what how 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 much do you think this list would change for you guys? I mean, for me, if I'm doing painful losses, the 2011 Broncos are out without even thinking twice because I'm not a Broncos fan. I just love Tim Tebow, and I'd say Super Bowl 40 52. That really annoys me because of how great Brady played. Twenty incompletions, he still threw for 500 yards. The the defense and the whole Malcolm Butler thing just infuriates me to this day that Belichick didn't adjust in the second half and like have a heart and say, you know what, maybe we should try to go with the guy who got us here and like literally won us a Super Bowl three years earlier. And there, then there's the controversy with Corey Coleman catch that I still believe he did not catch. He was bobbling it and hit out of bounds. If you want to say the Zach Ertz touchdown was a touchdown, I can live with that. But even though it was pretty much the exact same play as the Jesse James thing that got overruled against the Steelers early in the year, that loss, I would say, even though that 2017 Patriots team I didn't think was great, you, you saw how their defense like ended up killing them week one against the Chiefs, and then it, at the end of the year it reared its ugly head again. But I would definitely, if I'm going most heartbreaking losses, I would replace the O. With the, I mean, the, the 17 Pats with the 2011 Broncos. Yeah, Christian, any for any any for you that are different, Christian? Uh. Yeah, I'd probably, I mean, I'd probably check the Jazz out of there and, you know, maybe the Warriors as well. And I would say probably 13 Bruins and 07 Pass would probably slide in to those spots. Yeah. So, so I guess if, yeah, 13 Bruins for me too. Yeah. Some, someday if we want to have a, if, if we, if we want to have a super depressing uh, edition of the show next, it's been so gorgeous uh, the last couple Sundays. So next time there's a, a really rainy Sunday, we'll just default to, uh, to depressing sports losses. Um, so I think that's pretty much going to wrap up our program. Uh, Joe's thank you for coming back on the show. Anything, uh, you mentioned you had another food challenge. I don't know if you have any, uh, if you have that, that you want to uh, mention again or, uh, or, or plug here while, uh, while you have the floor. So maybe a quick little, quick little summation here from, uh, from friend of the show, uh, old Dozo. I appreciate it, sir. Yeah. Thank you for having me on guys. I appreciate the opportunity. It was awesome to talk some sports. You can follow my Instagram and Twitter at Doze on Life. That's D-O-Z-O-N-L-I-F-E. You can see my most recent post from Monday was the whole food challenge on my Instagram. You can watch it there. You can read my blog, dozeonlife.com. A lot of the topics you guys were talking about on this podcast, I already wrote about this week. The Dak Prescott stuff, LeBron, and Paul Pierce. I would I would check that all out. Hop on the bandwagon. It's going to only get better from here, guys. I appreciate it. Have a great day. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. 
I know it's COVID and everything, but it still is Memorial Day. We can try to get outside and have a little bit of fun and be safe. All right. Awesome. Hey, you too. Thanks for coming. Those, thanks for the time, and uh, thanks, we'll, guys. we'll talk to you again soon. Take it easy. Well, uh, Thank you. Christian, for uh, for me and you, I think that about does it, too. Uh, any big plans today to enjoy uh, what looks like a gorgeous day uh, outside here in Rhode Island? Yeah, we got a tea time of 2.15 or 2.30. So, oh, going on play some golf today. Hitting the links. Uh, speaking of links, we didn't talk about it, but uh, Tom Brady's hitting the links as well. We're going to talk about that next week. You know, we went on a long enough rant about Tom Brady and just saturating us with stuff. He's doing some sort of charity golf thing that uh, may be kind of interesting. So we'll catch, we'll talk more about that next week. But uh, until then, a uh, big thanks again to uh, Old Dozo for joining the show. All of you for joining and submitting uh, questions, comments, concerns. You can email us at the 360 Sports Show at gmail.com and hit us up through Instagram and Twitter. Make sure you like and subscribe to the show as a podcast so that if you miss us live on Facebook on Sundays, you can catch the show later and never miss a second. Well, Christian. Go enjoy your golf, and for the rest of you guys, enjoy the rest of Memorial Day weekend. Stay safe, and we'll catch you next week. Feel it.